This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Afternoons with Staffy. We rounded out an exciting week. It is World Cup Eve for the Black Ferns. Midday Madness was about what could the other teams around New Zealand learn from the Black Ferns, both on the field but more off the field. The way they've conducted themselves and brought us into their lives, I've just absolutely loved it. So that was Midday Madness. Uh, great chats today. We had Don Tricker, Director of Player Health and Performance at the San Diego Padres. He's the former coach, winning coach, world championship winning coach, of the Black Sox, also spent time with the All Blacks as well, now plying his trade with the San Diego Padres, who came up one series short of the World Series this year. No Jeremy Paul, he's crook, get well JP. Uh, Zade came in studio and uh, helped me co-host, and he pretty much interviewed Rav Hunia, who is the Sky Sport UFC journalist over there live out of New York, big old card this weekend, UFC 281. Took a couple of races in on free-for-all day, and uh, alongside that, we spoke with Darren Williams out of Addington. Really good insights into it as well. Show me the money. Uh, Kane had a crack today. Four-leg multi. You can listen to what we're backing over the weekend in that. And a brand new vault. Brand new vault. Or was it Kane that played the vault? I can't remember. Listen in. It's all here on the Afternoons with Staffy Podcast. Gull. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Here to get you through your workday, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Smells like Friday. It smells like lunchtime Friday. And uh, we are four minutes into the show and Captain K's left the building. He's gone into the cafe. It's not who he thinks it is in the cafe, so he's going to come back very quickly. Um, welcome into the show. You are on Afternoons with Stabby. Uh, big thanks to Gull. Gull.nz for your local stockist. For your good economical fuel, they fuel your mission all year round to go, and it's cool to have them alongside us each and every day, 12 to 4 here 
in the afternoons. I'm pretty excited this Friday. Not so much for today, but for what lies ahead in the next, what is it, 48, 72 hours? It's going to be so exciting. Um, nearly kicked off an early weekend gift this morning with the Kiwi Ferns just going down to the Jillaroos. But as I mentioned to Ricardo, Sam said, don't fear, we can't beat them twice, but we can beat them once. Let's make it the final. It was the same theory that France had when the all in the World Cup here in 2011 and Thierry Dussetois said afterwards they weren't worried about because we beat them about 42-6 in pool play and they said we can't beat the All Blacks twice in New Zealand but we can beat them once and they aimed at the final and so very nearly got it done but yeah so much to talk about incredible second semi-final last night um, India versus the England openers and the England openers took it away what a batting performance that was Unreal performance. We're building to UFC 281 as well. Four Kiwis on the card, um, which is as big as it gets, really. And they are headlining. And, of course, the big, big one is Israel Adosanya will be defending his heavyweight belt at 3 o'clock. We're going live to New York City. Uh, Ravinda Hunia, who is over there. I watched her media conference yesterday talking to all the fighters. She'll have the latest updates. And Life Member Zaid will be coming in studio. And look, he's helping me today. I'm not helping him. He's helping me. He's got the UFC knowledge. Even though he's leaked it all to Ricardo. For 10 minutes on the phone, Ricardo told me, Zaid, come on, mate. Save your knowledge for here, but bring it in here. Can't wait to see Zaid. He'll be in studio from three. And we will both interview Ravinda, which will be fantastic. Also, Don Tricker in the second hour. He's the Director of Player Health and Performance at the San Diego Padres. They're very close to the World Series. One one series away from making the big, big, big dance. Uh, they lost to the Phillies in the National League Championship. Um, and the Phillies went into the World Series. But uh, he's been there, I think, about five, four or five years now, Don Tricker. So we will catch up with him between one and two. Great, um, A great history in softball here and also with uh, New Zealand rugby now over at the Padres. We'll do a cross right towards the end with Julian King as we do on Fridays, our SEN colleague over there in Aussie. Um, gosh, we've got a lot more stuff too. We've got What's Making News. We've got Show Me The Money, chance to win a, win a bet with us today. We've got a new vault, a brand new vault as well today, which is good stuff. And we always start with Midday Madness. And we've been thinking, we've been thinking, what... Could other sports teams in New Zealand learn from the Black Ferns with the way they interact, um, but on and off the field, actually, on and off the field, the the noise, the friendly noise, the welcome noise that the Black Ferns have made, uh, particularly in the last two weeks, and getting everyone on board. And I saw a clip from Ruby Two yesterday saying she said something about four years ago. They were told, um, you're not playing on Eden Park. We'll put you in a, in a $5,000, sorry, 5,000 capacity stadium somewhere, regional. And she goes, look at us now. Eden Park, sold out, let's go. And that's, I think, as much to do with their rugby, as much to do with their skill, as they've let us in. They've showed themselves to us. We feel a part of that team. There's no barrier. And on the Izzy and Kempi for breakfast this morning, they interviewed Whitney Hanson, and she said, Ian Smith, it's taken him a bit of a, 
a wee while to learn or to get used to the bus ride from the hotel to the ground. And I've seen the bus ride that the All Blacks take, and they sit there with the headphones on, dead silence, steely face, um, dead eyes. They get off the bus into the stand, walk to the dressing rooms, don't engage with anyone, look at the floor. There was the odd exception. Corey Jane was an exception. He used to he used to say g'day. Uh, Adi Savi is an exception as well. But by and large, they're pretty stoic, pretty focused with the job at hand. The Black Ferns are different. They welcome interaction. They just love it. Um, they're funny. They're engaging. You want to like them. Well, you do like them. You don't want to. You just do. So what is what are a few of the things that the All Blacks, the Black Caps, these teams that we see a heck of a lot more, but now we're seeing more of the Black Ferns. What could they learn off the Black Ferns? The way they carry themselves, uh, the way they engage, and what's made it different? What's made it special? And do you feel closer to the Black Ferns? Do you feel a better feeling about the Black Ferns? Are they getting a saloon ride because it's something new and it's because they're women? I heard someone say, oh, we're just being so nice to them because we, we feel we have to. I don't have to feel anything. It's naturally how I feel about it. I just, all of the games this week, everything this week, and I include UFC 281, the one I'm looking most forward to is the Black Ferns taking on England. I just, you know, if, if the big man upstairs said, you can only watch one thing this weekend, Steph, what is it? That's it. Even more so than episode seven of Peaky Blinders, I'd still rather watch the Black Ferns. So share with me your experience of the Black Ferns going through this tournament, um, this World Cup hosted here, <clears throat> on the back of 47,000 people going to be turning up, 40,000 last week. And have you been, and I know I talked to Captain Kay, he went to a game a little while ago and talked, talked about his experience and he loved it so much he's going tomorrow. So 0800 150 811 is the number. Midday Madness... Talk to us about the Black Ferns. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Here come the calls. Awesome. Steve out of Auckland. G'day, Steve. Yeah, g'day. G'day, Steph, boys. Looking, so looking forward to this weekend, just hoping that the Weather plays its part at least during during the game or even leading up to the game. Hopefully, there's a bit of a wind, bit of wind around tomorrow to actually keep the ground a little bit of a dew on the surface, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, you know, um, I cover the Auckland Auckland club scene, both the males and the and the women's club scene, and I was lucky enough a couple of years ago when Ruby was playing for Ponsonby in an amazing final against Manurewa, which went into to extra time and it really was an extraordinary game of rugby and I was lucky enough to get interviews with Teresa Fitzpatrick Charmaine McMiniman and of and of course Ruby and she she was just fantastic uh, did an interview with her and she said hey mate can I just check with my employer Sky just to see if I can um, if it's okay for me to do this, this interview, we'll do the interview but I'll send you a text if you can just basically hold it until I've got it done, I'll tell you what I'm only about 10 minutes away from Western Springs, but by the time I'd hit home, I'd got a text, text from her saying, hey, all good. But I really enjoyed doing the interviews with, with, with the ladies. Yeah, it just pretty much spoke their mind and spoke about the game. It wasn't, um, 
your normal standard stock uh, interviews you get from mm. some of our male players, if you know what I mean. And boy, I think you pretty much read my mind exactly um, how I feel about the Black Ferns. Boy, they've, they've opened it up in such a way that, boy, I think everybody knows these girls. Mm. If You know, to have a an, a one-hour open show this morning where, you know, they're actually, you know, the coaches are taking a question. I must admit that um, I forget her first name. Um, would be handsome. God, she sounds like her dad. Being interviewed, <laughs> but, hey, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a chip off the old block, uh, so to speak. But, you know, their interviews are fun. They're fantastic. You know, you mentioned the, the music on the way to the, the grounds. I think, you know, I think the New Zealand Rugby Union and coaches could learn a hell of a lot from this in terms of an engagement because the McKinsey Report came out, what, over almost three years ago, early 2020, mm-hmm. and it basically spoke about fan engagement. Well, I'll tell you what, there it is right now. Here's your template right in front of you. That's it, mate. That is it. And and it, you can tell it's not through being told to do it. They want to do it. They, they embrace doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know... And the, and the craziest thing about, uh, you know, we've got a saying in Māori called tapatakata, which means the penny drops. I don't think it's quite dropped with the rugby union. Here's the, the women's game that's actually saving your game mm-hmm. in this country. Because you look at all the numbers of, you know, junior rugby, males rugby falling away. The one area where it's going gangbusters. Well, if somebody from the rugby union is, is listening, you should poke your speakers outside the door and face it down the corridor, <laughs> Steffi, I'll tell you. So they can actually hear what's actually being said. Yeah. Because um, it's just bloody amazing. And I don't even want to say the word regardless, and I won't finish this, the sentence tomorrow, I know. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. Because, you know, I don't want to put a, put, a, put a damper on them, but I'll tell you what. They win it, and I'm probably cracking open a few, mate. Mm. Seriously, and it is the one sporting event I'm looking forward to this this weekend like no end. They're, they're, they're champions, mate, in my in my, in my eyes. Mm. Brilliantly said, Steve. Brilliantly. Thank you so much. Uh, no worries, Steph. Enjoy, mate. Cheers, buddy. There, Steve, does a lot of work around the club, and, um, you know, the levels below the top tier, a very, very passionate rugby man. Um and I echo a sentiment. They're having a uh, a thing on Sunday at Commercial Bay in Auckland, and the team's going to turn up the day after the final, and it's come and meet the players. That will be amazing. And they're there for an hour and a half. I'll get the times for you if you if you can get there. It'll be amazing. Win or lose, they've already said they're going. They're going. Ryan from Hamilton. G'day, Ryan. Hey, Steph. Um, you asked the question. You know, what's the difference between our other top? sports, e.g. the All Blacks and the Black Ferns, and I think, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I think it's naivety and unprofessional. And again, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but when you look at the pressure that is on our other top sports teams who are more expected to win, I think there's a level of... um, Carefulness, for lack of a better word, from these athletes not wanting to say the wrong thing, not wanting to put themselves above or in front of the camera or above the team, whereas these girls don't have that pressure, despite the incredible record that they have uh, or have had in the past. Um, they don't feel 
or don't seem to feel that pressure of having to say the right thing. They feel like they can come out and be themselves. And the example that win or lose, they're going to have a party is kind of reflective of that. Mm. If the All Blacks lost the Rugby World Cup, it wouldn't be, oh, win or lose, we're having a party. It would be lose, and there's going to be a major review for the next six weeks to, to find out every single little thing that went wrong. Where, whereas people are saying, even last week, it didn't really matter if they won the semi-final or not because they were just everyone was just proud of the way that they had gone about their business. And so, what you know, why? I, I don't really know the answer to that, but maybe it is because, again, it's just not quite at that professional level and it's not taking... I'm not talking about their talents. I'm not talking about their skills. I'm just talking about the level that they are playing. It's a hell of a lot different to that of the Kiwis rugby league team or the Black Caps, where they are paid more. They're expected to perform to a higher level. And you know, when you have comparisons of of you know what what a male Rugby World Cup generates, and and the um, and the benefit of winning a World Cup is as opposed to say the women's. And what I'm getting at is ticket sales. I remember 2011 paying $700 to go to the Rugby World Cup final. Mm. Well, for 20 to 50 dollars, I could go to this one. Mm. So they're not coming from a from a sense that we need to make money here. We need to generate income. They're not actually worried. And, and months ago. Uh, you had, maybe not you, but SNZ had an interview with one of the tournament organisers and the question was, how will you define success of this tournament? Is it economic basis, blah, blah, blah? And they said, no, no, it's not. It's actually based on whether the girls have fun and whether we expose people to rugby, mm. which is great, which is great, but it doesn't pay bills, but it is great. And And what I'm getting at is maybe that filters down into an attitude for the woman where, hey, we, we can actually enjoy ourselves here we can actually say that we're having fun. We can actually say that we're enjoying the pressure, we're enjoying the moment because there's actually no real repercussions if they lose, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I spoke to one of them, uh, not on here, uh, just on the phone, and just said, how are you dealing with the pressure? And I said, is there pressure? Because it doesn't seem to be much. And she said to me, there is a heap of pressure, and we've talked about it, and the best way for us to deal with pressure is to channel it into fun. And they identified that quite early. And so they're doing their singing and their dancing and they're embracing the media and that's how they deal with their pressure. They could have internalised and been stoic and quiet and focused in headphones and look at the ground. They could have done all that, but she said, we just don't, we can't operate like that. And so they throw the doors open and come and share the pressure and come and help us release the pressure and all of that. They are hell-bent on winning this. Don't I think the public are like, um, they've already won. Whether they win or lose the game, they've already won. And to a, to a degree, I agree with that. Like, they have put it on the map. It's been a wonderful tournament. They made the final, et cetera. They are hell-bent on winning. Don't don't confuse that the they're having fun and, the, and they don't seem as serious as the men. Their number one goal is to win this. And you will see devastation if they don't win that final. Um, but I do take your point. So there is a different expectation. But it's that, that expectation has sort of been manifested over 100 years, hasn't it, with, with the men's game? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I do think, oh, and trust me, I know the girls would be very upset if, if they don't achieve uh, the goal that they have set. And obviously the goal is to win that final. But if we talk about the pressure from the media, how much is there? The pressure from from those outside sources. 
again, there's not, there doesn't seem to be, and it's not actually the girls' problem, you know, like it's not the girls getting it. Again, it's it's the, the outside sources, the media that aren't putting as much, well, from my point of view anyway, don't seem to be putting as much pressure. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm. I actually think it's a good thing. Um, we should get rid of this tall poppy syndrome. You know, you, you, you watch NBA interviews now, Kevin Durant, what a waste of time. Mm. No, what a waste of time even interviewing the guy because he's giving stock standard questions and because he doesn't want to answer them. He's not being truthful. He's not enjoying himself. And again, it's not because he doesn't want to, but he knows that if he says one wrong word, then boom, it's on Twitter. I mean, look at Kyrie Irving. Um, not not, not <laughs> trying to defend what he's done, but you know what I mean? He, he makes a mistake. He, he, he does it for a different reason, if you believe him, and all of a sudden... He's looking at being exiled from the NBA, and I'm just saying that with um, with this tournament, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be that. Don't get me wrong; if, if they came out and said something, um, you know, completely, um, you know, racist or, or whatever, it would be castrated. But again, as I say, it just seems to be that people are embracing this tournament for what it is. It's it's sport. And yesterday, you said something um, at the end of uh, one caller saying, "You said." But at the end of the day, hey, it's sport and it's about having fun. And it is. And I think that's one thing, one huge thing that's come out of this Women's World Cup is that it's been fun. It's been mm. enjoyable. Everybody is coming off the field, win or lose, with a smile on their face, disappointment, you know, heart-wrenching losses, but still seeing what they are uh, creating for, for the public. And that's, again, an enjoyable tournament. Bang on, Ryan. Always good chatting to you, buddy. Thanks for calling. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Ryan out of Hamilton there. Really, really salient points. Uh, keen to hear your thoughts. 0800 150 Give us a yell. Give us a yell. 0800 150 What could the other teams learn from the Black Ferns? Had a couple of good calls so far. Remember, too, um, there's that massive um, quarter of the month prize. Quarter of the month prize. Need to get yourself in and around that. The charcoal, I haven't got it here, the Oklahoma Oklahoma charcoal barbecue whiz-bang machine. Those two blokes that rang up so far in the first two hours, they're in the draw. Um, someone, someone, someone's, someone's texted in, uh, only Sam can answer this, and it says he's just got a visitor in the booth. Sam, uh, what's, the name, what's the name of the song and artist you play at the start of your show? Steve wants to know that. Kings of Leon. What's I think they actually played in Auckland last weekend. Last week, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I was considering going. Um, it is Super Soaker by Kings of Leon. Super Soaker, Kings of Leon. From the Mechanical Bull album. I think it's Mechanical Bull. Mm, nice. Good album. Mm. Strong album. Now, you're not a big rugby head, Sam. What's your thoughts been on the Black Ferns' performance on and off the field? Well, <clears throat> I t- actually really enjoy Ryan's call there, and I think he, he does make a good point around the pressure thing. Mm. Um, but... I, I don't know if that's – there's so many facets to why I think the black the All Blacks and the Black Caps and that are so reserved and conservative. We could talk about that for hours, Steph, and we do. We talk about that often off air about how, why they are how they are. I don't, but I don't think that you can put it all down to that. I think for some reason our female athletes in this country just don't take themselves so seriously. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there is – and and the pressure thing definitely comes into it, but I just feel like they act on and off the field with just an element of freedom. And um, I have really enjoyed the, the World Cup. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I have, I'll be honest, Steph. I thought that there was a lot of 
like pre-promotion for it, and I just thought I I don't know if it's going to equate to crowds and you know good rugby, but it really has, and I think it's just a dream result for us that we're playing in the final at Eden Park and it's sold out. And it's England. Couldn't, and it's England. Couldn't have been a better result for for women's rugby, for the Black Ferns, but for the fans as well. So, um, and probably buoyed by the fact we've got some other really good sport on at the moment. So you sort of it's coming at you from all angles. But I've been I've been loving it, and um, can't wait for for tomorrow night. Um, it doesn't conflict with anything, which is great, Steph, right? Like it, we don't have other um, Cricket World Cups on at the same time. We don't have the All Blacks playing at the same time. So it's, it's a great opportunity to, to park up and watch. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think – and there was another text that came in too just quickly before we get to news um, talking about how, you know, Wayne Smith, you know, there's only five players from the team last year that are in the semifinal and um, there were a lot of unfit players. You know, like it, it, you can't just sort of put it all on Wayne Smith shoulders but I, I think you have to give him a lot of credit for like Huge, yes. you can't in any environment doesn't matter who has left and who's moved on you go into any environment and within a year take that team to a World Cup final where they're going to be competitive right like it's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination they're going to be competitive with England I think you, that's a remarkable achievement for a coach one year 12 months yeah but he has um, pulled on his 30 years coaching resource but that's just so how valuable <clears throat> I've said it ad nauseum any All Blacks I've talked to that were under his tutelage all say I wouldn't be the player without Wayne Smith. They don't mention Graham Henry or Steve Hansen. No, they mention Wayne Smith. Yeah, it's um, he's he's a remarkable man. I just you'd, I mean, I know there's that doco about him, and I I did watch it. I can't remember most of it, but just love to get inside his head. How you know how how can how can the coach do that, and why can't more coaches? You know, like is it a simple equation? Mm. Last thing on Wayne Smith, I was at a function, sheepers, three or four years ago at a rugby club. It was televised. And rugby club people up the front speaking, various speakers, and there's that normal hubble of sound, mm-hmm. people talking down the back. Wayne Smith got up and spoke for 15 minutes. N- hardly anyone even breathed. Yeah. He just hung on every word he said. He just commands so much respect, all of that knowledge. It's, it's brilliant. I actually, I want to I tell you a quick example of something from Wayne Smith, but I know we've got to get to news. We've so got to get I'll to news. It. Save it till after the news. But do give us a call. Your thoughts on the Black Ferns, lessons that other... Teams could take from them. 0800 150 Looking forward to your calls after the news. Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Welcome back in. 0800 The lessons that could be learned off the Black Ferns. Uh, we had the news there, Sammy, but you had an example of uh, Wayne Smithness. Yeah. Um, did you watch the documentary Weight of a Nation? I think so. T- t- it's still one of my favourite sports docos about the 2011 Rugby World Cup, and it just, oh, if you can find it somewhere on YouTube, I know it was on Sky, like you could watch it on demand for a bit. It just could give you goosebumps. Mm. Just brings back all those memories from twenty. But one scene that I really enjoyed was um, they sort of went into 2007 when we obviously lost to France in the quarterfinal. Um, was it at Cardiff? Millennium? Uh, was it at Millennium? I think it was. Yeah. And um, he said, obviously, and, and they bring up all the headlines from the newspapers, and I think it was Murray Deeker, you know, calling for the head of Graham Henry and everything like that. And Wayne Smith is on the camera telling a story about how he basically went into a room with a bunch of the New Zealand board members in a PowerPoint presentation, basically picking apart the officiating from the game 
and saying that's a penalty there, that breakdown there, they were offside, that was a forward pass, that was the thing. And he basically said, you know, you cannot, this guy cannot lose his job because of all the stuff. There. It was, it's something along those lines. He sort of details it very well. And I and I heard it, Steph, and I thought, man, that guy could come into anywhere I work and present, and I would follow that man into battle. You know what I mean? He yeah. could, he'd convince anyone. He'd convince anyone. Yeah. He's a, he's, he'd be the best person to have in your corner. If you needed a reference... Wayne Smith. Wayne Smith. You know? <coughs> yeah. Even if you're unqualified for the job. <coughs> Why should we employ Sam Hewitt as CEO of Fonterra? Right. Sit down and watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Sam Hewitt. <laughs> He'll get technical about it. Yeah. Which is what I love. But yeah, yeah no, I, I he he's up there for me, eh? One of our one of our all time greats and a really I just yeah, really respect them. Mm. And um yeah, always held himself well on and off. Not not on because he doesn't play, but you know, off the field. He's a um, fantastic player. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in the coach's box and outside as well. Um, and yeah. you know what I've noticed about him in all these um, press conferences? Mm. He's got a little smile. The yeah, whole he does have a little is smile. loving it. What does he do? <clears throat> What's his hobby outside of, like, you know, how these, they've all got something, don't they? Is he into, into racing? Is he into golf? Is he a good golfer? What's his. I think. I think when he stepped away from coaching, I think he travelled around, I think it was New Zealand in a motorhome with his wife, and they That's right. did that for ages. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, I, yeah. I, think he's, I think he's like a social fisher, a social golfer, just the social little things. He's a social being. But he just loves, he loves the quiet life. He, he doesn't enjoy the spotlight, even though that's when he's performing, but um, just a great family man, um, really close to his kids. He's just, just a tremendous bloke. Um, Weight of a Nation, All Blacks, is on YouTube. There you go. No, are you sure? Yep. The whole thing? Yep. Oh, man, that is essential viewing, people. It's an hour 38. That's the one. It's essential view. You watch the first five minutes of that, I'll give you goosebumps. Yeah, I just had playing there the first 45 seconds, and it's the end of that quarterfinal, yep. and Chris Marceau crying. And yep. Luke McAllister oh. yellow-carded? Uh, yes. Remember yellow-carded? Took a guy out or something after he kicked or it was something like that. I remember he got yellow-carded. Yeah, and now there's all these flashbacks of a very young Rich McCaw. Dan Carter in the crowd. Pina, Eels, Johnson all holding up World Cups back to the bench, back to the crowd. Oh, oh. gosh, I'm going to have to watch Mate, that this weekend Steph, again. <laughs> it is must-watch must stuff. It honestly is so well put together. Mm. And they tell a really good story about, yeah, from 07 to 2011, you know, mixed in the Christchurch earthquakes, which obviously affected a lot of the guys in the team at the time. Just fantastic. Mm. Yep, so it's there on YouTube, uh, Weight of a Nation. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break a little bit earlier to start us off with. We're going to catch up with Louis Herman, what, before 1 o'clock, and then we're going to take the race at 12.55. He's been sniffing around for winners. He's been in pretty good tipping, Nick, actually, Louis. He cops it when he's not, so we congratulate him when he is. He's having a great time of it down in Christchurch. Uh, he thinks he might have sniffed out a winner for us in the 12.55 race. So let's take a break and we'll come back. Still time for you to call in though, 0800 150 811. Give us a yell. Uh, we'll be back soon. Building your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I don't know if you heard the news, but if you're old enough to remember when Munster beat the All Blacks, <clears throat> excuse me, All Blacks 12-0 in 1978, Munster have just done it again this morning. They've beaten the Springboks. They've just beaten the Springboks, and Munster are going terrible in their, in their championship. I think they're two from nine or two from seven or something like that, and they've beaten the Springboks 20, 
I saw it somewhere here. 26. There it is. 28.14. Scenes. Scenes in Munster. Fantastic news. Um, big old days racing today, though, team. Um, you thought Tuesday was good. I actually like Free For All and Dominion Trot Day just as much. It's uh, it's sort of an unshackled race day. And so we've unshackled Louis Herman Watt, and we've just told him to go large today. Uh, there's no sense in pacing yourself when a young man with good uh, good staying abilities, a good, from a good staying crop, is uh, Louis Herman Watt, and he joins us out of Christchurch now. Louis... Um, I don't know the first question to ask you. I I just want to say how are you, but, mate, you'll lie and say you're fine. So let's just go with the racing today. Um, Big old day. Big old day today at Addington. Look, the sunglasses are staying firmly on. I'll say that, Steph. Um, Today, it was a good night at the Greyhounds. By the way, how's this? You'll appreciate this. We just heard unofficially that the Greyhounds, last night, they broke their million-dollar barrier for turnover the first time ever, unofficially. Wow. that is, and that was a goal of theirs. And last night it was packed, and people were climbing into it. So we often forget about the greyhounds this week, but it's all—they're part of Cup Week as well. And, Massively. and there was some aw- awesome. Apawa superstar was genuinely a superstar last night, so that was good fun. But yeah, back at back at Addington, and I completely agree with you, Steph. I like Show Day better because mm. you, you get the the free for all is such a fun race. They're, they're on obviously the mobile. It gives a chance for redemption for horses that might not have um, put their best foot forward on the Tuesday. And there is a horse in there which has an exactly that profile. Rock and roll do the big spruit horse. I know you were big on him. You had some lovely futures tickets. Well, he just blew it. He blew it last start and in the New Zealand Cup. Not when you want to blow it, but maybe he's just not a standing start horse. They don't do it that often in Victoria. Today he gets the mobile arm. He's been pushed in from 280 to 250. And just, I've been down in the stables, I've chatted to Zach Butcher, who drives Old Town Road, I've chatted to Mark Purden as well, one of the goats of the game, and the stable, the, the stable's bully is that there's going to be pressure in the race, Ultra-wise guy is going to look to hold his spot for Tim Williams, which means Rock and Roll Do will probably sit parked, I still think he can win sitting parked, especially with as much in the tank that he has left over from Tuesday, but that'll probably mean that there'll be a three-wide train coming. Mm. And that brings into it horses like Old Town Road that are going to be settling back in the field. And that three-wide train, I reckon they'll be... Look, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them to make ground because these are such fast horses. But I reckon they'll be all bombing the line and we could get a really exciting finish in the free-for-all today. Yeah, I think I heard that Old Town Road had the fastest closing yep. half mile or something in the cup. Finished sixth, I think. But you see the six next to its name. What it doesn't say in brackets is that it was the fastest finisher. So that could sit and swoop, couldn't it? 100%. And, and Zach Butcher was so happy with them. Um so, yeah, that, that we'll, we might try and get that audio. Um, we'll play it next time we chat, Steph. But I do have one I like in race three, so I'll, I'll let you know what that is. <laughs> Although I will say I like Da Vinci because Da Vinci's got the form around it by Mr. Smarty. Remember Mr. Smarty mm-hmm. won on Cup Day. So, it's look, it's got winning form. When I do form, I love that. I love good form races. I love horses coming out and winning and following. It's just one of the most easy ways to do your form. Um, if a horse has been raced against another horse, that horse comes out and wins. Usually, it tells you that you're on the right track. But I will say, I like Da Vinci. It's just softening a wee bit. And Zach Butcher said that Scott 
and Barry are very happy with Gandalf, which has the one draw. So I'm going to tip Da Vinci still because I liked it, so I'm not going to go off my methods, but I'll probably save on the Quinella as well. And if you wanted, you could actually back Gandalf at $3 and Da Vinci. I reckon one of them will be winning. I'm going to tip Da Vinci, but I've got a lot of respect around Gandalf after chatting to Zach Butcher in the stables moments ago. I've got a massive long shot for you. We're going to take an ad break, Louis, but a massive long shot in that very race. Major happy. It's paying 26 bucks. Just clip it onto uh, into the back end of your trifectas and chuck it in your Quinella as well. Good draw. $26. I like it. Louis, we've got to scoot because we've got to get an ad break to get back in time for the race. Thanks, champion. We'll catch up again. Back in a mo with that race. Yes, afternoons with Stafford going to Addington shortly. Uh, good to have the company at Gull. Gull.nz for your local stockists and sign up for the notifications. They'll tell you when it's even cheaper than their normal cheapness. Um, this is the Peninsula Beachfront Resort Malula Bar MCL Pace. Malula Bar, I've had a holiday there back in the day. Fantastic place to go on holiday. Peninsula Beachfront Resort. And I stayed there. Oh my goodness, this is an omen. It cracks and underway in about 30 seconds the favorite is Gandalf Da Vinci second favorite Gandalf 280 Da Vinci 360 I've just had a little place speculation on major happy it's drawn four it's paying six bucks a place which is twice the money of the other two that are paying for a win so just a little bit of major happy and I'll be majorly happy if it was to run in the run in the in the money um, on these bonus back races too races one to four so, geez, every reason to have a little, little sniff. Just have to put two each way on Major Happy. Cheer with me. Cheer with me. Hope I can get some chocolates. We're going to cross over to Addington, just watching the mobile starting to move away now. So enjoy this. Louis's gone uh, Gandalf and, oh, Da Vinci's drifted out to third favourite now. Gandalf and Da Vinci, I've just got a little speculator on Major Happy. And joins them in the line. Dancing Desire wearing the white and green cap. One of two in the race for Ken Barron, Coachella in the gold cap. Now Gandalf's in a gallop behind the gate here. He's back pacing. Back pacing now, Gandalf, so all okay there. He's galloping again, Gandalf. Rakanot is in a gallop as well from barrier number two. Red lights on. So Gandalf just going roughly a couple of times in the score up here for the favourite backers. And Rakanonta was also off stride as well. So we'll have take two shortly. Back to you, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Matt. So Just a little bit of a false start. A little bit of a shambles out towards the back of the barrier and what they do in harness racing is if if it affects any of the others with their start, um, they'll say they'll just jog them very lightly for another circuit. They... Um, Nothing was really completely out of shape, but the fact that uh, Gandalf was the one that was having a bit of strife, drawn one, it affected the horse that was directly behind it, and they try and give them a chance to reassemble, but from where the mobile barrier arm moves away to when he actually releases them is about 300 metres, so unless they can sort themselves out, um, they will and get themselves back into formation. Within that 300 metres, they just take them around quietly for another just another little lap because they don't want to stop the barrier because that will switch the horses off and then they have to switch the horses back on into race mode. And we just saw Gandalf, which was the favourite, go up in the air a little bit and uh, affected the one next to it, number two, which was uh, Rakanota. That sort of went up in the air as well. So they said, that's not fair. We'll reassemble. Um, and straight on the back of seeing Gandalf, the favourite, galloping and looking a little bit not at ease, it's moved out in the market. 
it's gone from two sixty to three dollars because you'll quite often see a horse in its initial um, moving up behind the barrier and it and it's not even in its action or or it gallops when the race proper starts it'll do it again so it feel like maybe that's a reaction from the bookies just to say oh it might be worth a bit more of a risk we'll poke the price out and we'll just suck something else back in so just having a look now to see if they've settled they've actually moved the mobile off the course have they uh i'm seeing bouncy castles um I'm just wondering if we will try and get this race underway. Actually, how far is it? Because we've only got two minutes to news. We're not going to get it in before the news. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We will record it because drivers are still milling about behind the mobile. So we'll record. can we record it, Sam, and play it out after the news? We'll try to do that. Uh, in the meantime, had some text messages come in, which I'll bring to you. We will try and bring you the... Um, the race after the news, if we can figure out how to record it. <laughs> uh, the Tampa Bed Post text machine goes like this. Mark, mate, look at the Black Ferns. They lost to France and England last year by a country mile. Now the Black Caps need to learn how to make those lessons and move forward and get us to the next level. That's a great lesson that they could learn. And I would love other sports to utilise the likes of Wayne Smith. Um we're going to be talking to Don Tricker. Now, here's a softball guy that made waves in rugby and then again in baseball. So um be interesting to get his thoughts as well. Looks like the race is going to get underway very, very shortly. So we'll record that and we'll bring it to you. And, 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 you've just pushed up the uh, race there, Sam. There we go. Um, so we'll go to news very shortly. Um, someone's suggesting, Brendan's suggesting, we need to give Wayne Smith the Silver Lake money to coach the All Blacks. Wayne Smith to coach your works. Wouldn't mind that. Wouldn't mind that at all. All righty, new sport and weather, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll record that race and we'll bring it to you. But I won't be a spoiler. I won't tell you what happened. But I am hoping that uh, my pick, my pick, which was Major Happy, gets the treats. Race after the news. As promised, uh, race three has been run and won, as they say. Um, the favourites were Da Vinci and, I was going to say Coachella, Gandalf. <laughs> I don't know why I was going to say Coachella. Uh, da Vinci and Gandalf, uh, my long shotter, which I just need to get in the top three major happy. Here's the last lap of that race. Side dancing desire and watching on from the rear is Olive Cook. Out to the 800 metres they travel. Da Vinci a length in front from Rakanota. Gandalf awaiting on the Captain Crunch passing lane. Watermelon Sugar enjoying a good trip forth on the outside of Coachella. Then came Dance Till Dawn. Major Happy. Three wide Olive Cook sent around them from Moonlight Dream and Dancing Desire. 600 to go. 30 and 5, 61, 5 the half. It's Da Vinci looking to bring them all the way home. Leads by a length on Rakanota. Gandalf travelled up well on the trail. Awaits 
makes the passing lane. Leader going well, though. Three wide, Watermelon Sugar starts to run. Then Coachella, Dance Till Dawn is six off them. And between horses, Major Happy Da Vinci turns the corner. 27-9 back straight quarter. Seems to travel pretty well. Gandalf going back for an inside run. And then Rakanotta. Dance Till Dawn runs on in the deep. Da Vinci leads. Gandalf two lengths away. Dance Till Dawn might be a danger down the centre. Here she comes, Dance Till Dawn. Charging after Da Vinci. Rakanotta the centre. Da Vinci's lifting. Dance Till Dawn's run came to an end. It's Da Vinci. Da Vinci wanted a length on Dance Till Dawn. Third across Rakanotta. And fourth to go by was Coachella. Then came Major Happy. Major Happy fifth. My Ruffy came fifth. But, but the special promotion that TAB have got have said in the first race is one to four. If you take a win bet and a finish doesn't win, but finishes second, third, fourth, or fifth, bonus bet. So I lost, but I won. Uh, da Vinci first, Dance Till Dawn second, massive run from that, and Rakanetta will make up the uh, pro, uh, make up the trifecta, which is paid two hundred fifty bucks. Quinella eight hundred, uh, sorry, eight dollars ninety. Um, and I just poked his head in. He's of course the wonderful producer of the run home. They're doing a broadcast from the Kingslander. Uh, big thanks to Sky Sport for. Uh, Sp- big thanks to Spark Sport, sorry, for um, getting in behind that. It's going to be awesome. You can go and meet Beaver in his environment. Have a beer with Beef. He's a very social host, is Beef. So go down, say good day. He'll take the headphones off, shake your hand, uh, get a good firm grip ready, though, because he's got a big handshake, Beaver. So Beaver, and I think it's Kim going down today to the Kingslander. I think it's Kim. Um Anyway, they love an OB outside broadcast, and they'll be there from four till seven. And when I said they're bringing you the free for all and the Dominion Trot as well, so the run home, thanks to Spark Sport, will be broadcasting their whole show from the Kingsender, and what a great place to do in a big celebration because about what would it be? Four hundred metres from there is the World Cup final tomorrow for the Black Ferns and the English Roses. The English Roses. Hey, staff, quickly as well, um, want to let people know that we're doing Show Me The Money a little bit earlier today. Oh, okay. Oh, because your, your, your long service leave, you didn't quite use all of it, so <laughs> yeah, you're taking off a bit earlier today. I've got a couple of hours left over. So uh, we'll do it between sort of 2 and 2.30. Oh, that's just, not far away. I, I just want people to get ready because they might have a few tips for tonight from the races that they want to throw in there. So oh. just, just, they might. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Be ready, be prepared. You've just made me think I might change my mind on my show me the money that I had locked in my head. I might take one of those big okay. races tonight. Oh, well, there you go. And actually, I've been told a horse for Sunday as well by a very good tipster, which I'm not allowed to name, but he's given me one for Sunday, which I might chuck in my um, show me the money as well. Um, still to come on the show. So show me the money's a little bit earlier. Uh, the vault will be normal time. Sam won't be here, but he's done a vault and he's actually he's put Kieran on the lie detector before he told him what the solution was. Said you're not allowed to tell anyone this, and Kieran passed. So Captain K will be running the cutter on the vault. Uh, we're going to from three o'clock, probably till about twenty past. Actually, uh, we're going to have Ravinda Hunia coming live out of New York City ahead of UFC two eight one and Life Members Aid. Uh, that's why he hasn't rung. He's saving himself up for 3 o'clock. He's going to come in and co-host the UFC 281 preview as well. Jeremy Paul, unfortunately, has texted me through. He's still battling with the COVID. He's not flash at all. So he initially said, yes, he was happy to come on because we're a good tonic for him. But um, 
he's gone back to bed and gone back to sleep, uh, and so he can't he can't come on the Jeremy Paul show. But uh, we do wish uh, wish him well. Hope that he can uh, get well soon. He said he'll definitely join us next week. And Julian King, we go across the ditch as well. Geez, we've still got a heap of stuff to do. And what's making news? And Brenna Popper, well out of the TAB. And after this break, this is a goodie. We're going to catch up with former Black Sox coach, took the Black Sox men's softball team to two world championships as coach, got poached for his strategic nous by the New Zealand Rugby Union. He was part of the high performance centre with New Zealand Rugby and the All Blacks. And then the San Diego Padres, don't know how they met him. I'm going to ask him that. Don Tricker, Don Tricker, one of the best coaches and strategic analysts the world over, and I don't say that lightly. The Padre saw his value. He's been over there for a few years. Don Trekker joins the show after the break. Going stateside now, and a Kiwi that's doing good things in the Major League Baseball Series, which has got a big appetite over here for New Zealanders, I must say. He's with the San Diego Padres as the Director of Player Health and Performance. He'll be a name familiar to you because he also coached New Zealand to two World Championship softball titles. Andy worked with the All Blacks and now San Diego Padres. Don Trickett joins us, I'm guessing, from San Diego. Don, welcome in. Yeah, I am in San Diego. Thanks, Mark. All, all things are going well for us over here. It's a very busy time of year, although it's uh, never not busy in uh, professional sport. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, actually, before we talk about the here and now and, and the great season that your team has had, um, an interesting path you've taken from playing in Porirua and then coaching and then World Championships and then All Blacks and then Padres. How did the Padres thing come about? Can you remember the first time it popped onto your radar or you met someone from the Padres? How did that start? Yeah, it, um, yeah, it started, uh, would have been, this is my fifth year up here, so a little over five years ago. Um, a, a couple of people from the Padres came down to New Zealand uh, and um, wanted to have a conversation around um, what uh, what we do in rugby um, and what's the you know the, the secret behind the All Blacks and um, and we had a few conversations in terms of some of the things that we've tried to do in rugby, some of the things that worked, some of the things that didn't work, and and they were essentially just ticking off their whole checklist of all of their frustrations um, in professional baseball. So then from there they um, they invited me to um, to come up and spend a bit of time with them, um, have a look at their setup, and and just share some observations about opportunities to to get a little bit better. Um, and they brought me up a few times. The first time I came up, I had no idea what I was coming up for. Hmm. It was for spring training, and I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can spend a week in the sun eating hot dogs and watching baseball. <laughs> and I thought there could be worse things uh, that I could be doing. Uh, and then from there, that, that led to a, um, uh, a conversation around, hey, what would it take to bring you to the United States? And um, that's how it happened. And rugby were fantastic. So... When it all happened, um, you know, I was above board with rugby, um, and we talked it all through, and um, and uh, we worked a few things out, and here I am. Fantastic. And, and my exit from uh, rugby was uh, I'd still spend four or five weeks a year, um, certainly for the first two or three years, um, with the All Blacks and just helping them um, set a few things up, do the reviews, stuff like that. Mm. Was part of the appeal, do you think, from the Padres to you that you hadn't been 
I don't know what the right word was, not polluted, but a fresh ideas, fresh face, not entrenched in a, in a lifetime of baseball, therefore could be potentially a little bit more objective? Yeah, that's, that's the same argument that you could have for New Zealand rugby as well. Like, I had no pedigree in rugby. Mm. Um, and, um, and there's, again, when I came into rugby, is that there's plenty of people that know rugby. Um, my role was to bring um, high-performance ideas and concepts to the table um, and view, look at the same picture um, from a different perspective um, and challenge people's thinking. And, and I came from a position where um, I was really inquisitive because... Um, there were no, there was no bias attached to me. It wasn't like I'd played rugby, I was an All Black, or I was this, that, and the next thing. And that this is the only way that you can do things. I just brought a different perspective, and it's the same thing with baseball. Is that you know, not many people up here know I have anything to do with softball. They all think I'm from rugby. Um, so I had an awareness of the game. Just like when I went into rugby, I had an awareness of the game. I knew what the, what the, what the game was all about. You couldn't be a New Zealand male with, or a New Zealander without understanding um, the concepts of rugby, what a line-out is, what a scrum is, those sorts of things. Um, so I never got involved in anything technical. Um, I got involved in more environmental things in terms of what's, what, what are the barriers or what's getting in the way of enabling um, our people to be you know, dynamic, to be extraordinary. Um, and so that was what I brought to the table in rugby, and that's what I bring to the table here at the Padres. Because what we want is exactly the same thing, and that is we want um, we want our people, or our athletes, uh, our coaches, um, to do you know extraordinary things. And by doing extraordinary things, um, you've got a pretty good chance at winning. When when you read the job title, director of player health and performance, straight like I I sort of thought you're a, a morphing of Gilbert and Oka and Nick Gill, but it's not that, is it? It's um, well, actually, you tell us if your Monday to Friday, which I know isn't the, the accurate thing, but your day to day life, what what are your main sort of endeavours, your main sort of goals within that Padres organisation? So the core, the core role is about, um, uh, it's, it's mainly medical. So the core role is I head up the, uh, the medical team. So that's um, strength conditioning, um, mental skills, um, uh, physiotherapy in, in New Zealand language. Over here it's athletic training. And it's like um, how do we ensure that the athlete um, um, uh, is conditioned to dominate when they get onto a baseball field. Um, so that's my day-to-day role in terms of leading that team um, and ensuring that um, you know, we remove, um, uh, how to put it in terms of any dysfunction. Um, we, you know, we work with, um, with the player in mind and we get the best minds around it to try and figure out what the problem is, what we need to do, um, and how do we get them on the, onto the baseball field. Uh, the other part that I do is I'm pretty much a um, like a um, troubleshooter. So wherever there's something that um, pops up in in the business, then I tend to um, get um, pulled in to just again share different perspectives and, and help with uh, really clarity in terms of you know, we're really good at um, at treating symptoms in sport. Uh, we're not very good at identifying issues. So so my role in, in that troubleshooting role is to um, help um, clarify what we're what we're looking at, so that we actually identify what the issue is, so that we can um, resolve it rather than get seduced by fixing a symptom, and then uh, get frustrated where um, the issue, the underlying issue, is still there. 
It, it's a very different sport in that with rugby, for example, when you had a good grounding in rugby, they play once a week. Your blokes play every day. And I just I can't figure out how they can keep that that edge up, you know, there's no big build up and, you know, captains run the day before and and you have a hard training, then you have a day off, then you have your yoga. You guys can't afford that. Is How do you manage that as the Director of Health and Performance, given that they can just play day after day after day? Yeah, there's, and there's, um, yeah, we play, just to you know, give your listeners some context, is that we're man that it's play. 30 games in spring training, which is our pre-season. So if we decided that we only want to play 15, uh, what we want doesn't matter because we, we've got to play 30. Um, then we play 162 games in the regular season. Uh, and um, and then if we're fortunate enough to get to the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs, then that could be a potential another 21, 22 games. So um, in many ways, it, um, during the regular season, it's numbing because it's just day after day after day with travel. So it mm-hmm. wouldn't be unusual that we um, we finish the series in, in San Diego and then we're on a play, flight to New York, which is five and a half hours away, and we're playing the next night. Um, so we typically get, the athletes get, um, on average, a couple of days off a month. Um, the staff would get all. And um, my role is we, I probably get about one day off a month. And... Um, and that's where we've got to, again, change some of them. We're trying to change the mindset in baseball. So the mindset is that you got to, there's a badge of honour if you can play 162 games. <laughs> um, but you're toast if you play 162 games. So if your best players play 162 games and you're good enough to get to the playoffs, you're typically not going to go very far in the playoffs because your, your better players are, um, like I say, a, a toast and, and they can't provide anything for you in the playoffs. So what we're trying to do is to um, manage the workload of the players so that our best players can play 145, 150 games a year um, and there's still you know, a degree of freshness um, going into the playoffs if you want to win a World Series. So that's what we're, we're grappling with in terms of the, hey, but, I, but you know, my whole personal worth is based on this, I need to play 162. Um, and our argument to the players to get to 162 games, you probably have to play at about 70% capacity. Mm. So it's better for us if you can play at 90% to 100% capacity for 145, and we'll get someone else in to give us their best over the you know when the games that you're not playing. So that's the shift that we're making in baseball, and we're not alone. A lot of teams are starting to do that now. A real big part of baseball, in fact, American professional sport is the trading system, and the you know we see the um, the big um, announcements when all the college players all gather in a room and the Charlotte Hornets select from Purdue and all of this thing. These guys, like New Zealand, a kid that grows up in Wellington sort of wants to play for the, the Lions and then the Hurricanes and then the All Blacks. There's still some sort of domestic allegiance. But I get the feeling in American sport, the goal isn't, you know, I grew born in Chicago, grew up in Chicago, went to university in Chicago, want to play for the Cubs or the Black Sox. It's just, I want to play anywhere. I want to play in the bigs. Is that a different animal in America to here? No, in many ways it's similar. So you think about New Zealand, um, and if you're a rugby player, so you want to, you want to grow up and be an all-black. Right? So then, so that's your, that's your goal. Whereas in the United States, your goal is that you want to play in the big leagues. You want to be a major league player. 
So therefore, it's not about, hey, my pathway to getting to the All Blacks is the Lions, the Hurricanes, um, and so on in terms of to be an All Black, and I'll stick with where I am. In, um, in uh, baseball, it's like um, it doesn't matter if I play for the Padres or I play for the Yankees or the Dodgers. I just want to be a big leaguer. Um, so therefore, in terms of, again, when you're drafted then, um, and you're drafted into the Padres, then you're a Padre until such time as you're not. And then, um, and then if we trade you to the to um, the Dodgers, then you're a Dodger mm-hmm. um, until you make it to the Dodgers, and then and then you might get traded again. And and it is um, if we when we draft um, um, a player out of um, college or um, out of um, high school, then we've the, the club's got six years of control of that particular player. Um, if they don't make it to the major leagues within six years then um, they can become like a, um, a minor league free agent and then move teams. But for the first six years, they're, they're pretty much tied to, to the team that drafted them. And then once they make the major leagues, the clock starts again. You've got another six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so during those six years, um, again, you're tied to the club. You can't decide, I want to play for someone else. Um, and it's the club that holds all the cards and um, can trade you uh, or release you at, at, at any time. Fascinating stuff. Um, talking to Don Trecker out of San Diego Padres, a, a wonderful season for you guys. Um, you made the championship finals, uh, not the major, league, not the World Series finals. You were one step away. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was: um, it looks to me, from the outside looking in, you've got a really good succession plan in place with identifying young talent, bringing them through your system, and I think for ease of our listeners to understand. In the NRL, the Panthers are recognised as that they had they made the final of every age group, every academy team, right up to the NRL final. Is that a conscious thing for the Padres? Is that something you've bought? Is it something they've always had? And, and the importance of building from the ground up. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Um, professional sport is, is is expensive. Okay, so it's a bit like. Um, uh, I don't know. I use. I won't try and search for an analogy. Is that okay? So, if you if you um, go into the free market, into the um, free agent, in terms of that's how you build your team, then free agents cost an awful lot of money. Um, and um, before you know it, your, your payroll might be two hundred and fifty million. Um, if you de- develop from within, so the the and a, someone comes through your system and gets to the major leagues. Then they're paid um, they, at an entry level, which is about seven hundred and fifty thousand US dollars. So, if you can develop from within, um, and then supplement in terms of what you've got with um, free agent signings, um, then you've got a club that's sustainable, um, and um, and you've, you've got a chance of having you know um, sustained success. If you go all in on your own guys then um, you probably still won't win because you're going to need to supplement them with with one or two um, veteran players because you still need that veteran presence. Mm. Um, And if you go all in on veteran players, then you're typically not going to be successful as well because, again, there's no fresh thinking, um, those sorts of things. So getting the balance right is really, really difficult. Um, We've had um, outstanding um, uh, younger players and um, unfortunately, or for which way you look at it, we've had to use those younger players um, in trades to get uh, one or two iconic um, players that, that help us get over the hump. 
So an example this year, we traded for a young, again, a young hitter who's a, a generational hitter called Juan Soto. But to, to secure Juan Soto, we had to give up our four best young players. And each of those players will be a really, really good player, but, um, but they're probably four or five years away from being that really, really good player versus Juan Soto's a really good player now, and we have, we have him for the next three years or the next two years now. So, and that's the thing in terms of where it pains you to give up your um, kids that you've invested a lot in um, um, to get someone like Juan Soto, but uh, opportunities to secure someone like Soto don't happen very often. And that's, uh, that, that's a decision that we've made. Now, we still love our players that we've passed on, um, but they're just no longer Padres. Now, they're, they're spread out. Most of them are in the Washington Nationals now. Mm, fascinating stuff, Don. I could talk to you all day, but I won't because uh, time is pushing on. Um, awesome to hear from you. Awesome to hear that it sounds like you're enjoying it a lot. And uh, obviously, so nearly the big, big prize this year, but uh, it sounds like development's going really well. Really appreciate chatting to you today, Don. No problems. Okay. Have a, have a good uh, rest of your day and uh, hope all goes well for the weekend with uh, all blacks and the black ferns. Paul Mawari joins us out of the Ivory Towers in Patoni. Might be at home, might be at uh, Addington. I don't know where you are. Where are you, Paul Mawari? HQ. HQ. No better place to be on a big race day and a weekend ahead of sport, mate. Um, Big day for the Hounds yesterday, mate. Yeah, certainly was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, was it old big Opawa superstar getting up in the New Zealand Greyhound Cup? Um, looked very, very good doing it too. So, I uh, seen a very nice victory there. Um, and what was it in the Galaxy? Uh, once again, the red-hot favourite, was it um, Power Rider? Uh, as well. So, number of bets landed there. Um, and, of course, speaking of bets, there have been a number of large bets placed by the Boys Get Paid uh, Club. And uh, that uh, battle continues between them and Thad Taylor in the bookies. <laughs> Are they getting involved today? Uh, what have we had today? They've had a $5,000 uh, each way bet on Joe's Rock at Addington. Um, so 5000 to win, 5000 top three. Uh, Joe's Rock didn't win, but did finish in the top three. So... They got a $9,000 collect there, and um, they've got a, what was it, a $30,000 multi. Um, Jezebel, to finish top three in the fifth race at Addington, mm-hmm. into Advance Party, to finish top two in race seven at Addington. 30000 at $4.18 to return a $25,400. They're up around, from their starting balance at the beginning of the week, they're up around almost $400,000 as we speak. Fantastic. Right, big sporting events, mate. Huge sporting events. Uh, I guess the two <clears throat> the two biggest. Normally when the All Blacks play, they'd be one of the biggest, but I think the Kiwis, Kangaroos, and of course the Rugby World Cup final for the Black Ferns, they're two that I'm really invested in this weekend. 
Yeah, in terms of the Rugby League World Cup semi-final, uh, most of the support has been for the Kangaroos. They're $1.20 to win that match, 12.5 point favourites. Um, it's not to say that the Kiwis haven't been without their... Uh, without a wee bit of cash flowing their way at $4.33 to win the semi-final. But the bulk of the action has been on the Kangaroos, who, I guess if you look at the tournament so far, have probably been more impressive than the Kiwis. But when you get to a semi-final, anything can happen. Let's look uh this part uh, side of the world, though. And as you said, the Black Ferns taking on the Red Roses in the Women's Rugby World Cup up there at Eden Park tomorrow. I hear the weather's not the best at the moment. It's not flash. Uh, we've got no right, so, which might bring them a wee bit closer together. Uh, although with the sort of game plan that the Black Ferns have been taking into games, where they like to uh, move the ball around, that that may um, have a negative effect on that. Does, hasn't bothered the punters. They're jumping on the Black Ferns. They're currently two fifty to win that match. The Red Roses are a dollar fifty-five, and we also have a my final bet bonus bet offer uh, on that uh, match. Just place a pre-match bet of ten dollars or more on that Black Ferns Red Roses uh, final and receive a twenty-dollar bonus bet to use on that match again. Oh, so, yep. Say that again. Ten dollars pre-match. Wait, yep. Yep, take a $10 pre-match bet on the, that match and you'll get a $20 bonus bet to use on that match as well. So there you go, easy peasy. <laughs> no brainer. No brainer. Yeah. I yeah. love that. So I can actually put, is it a head-to-head or is it, is it any market, a $10 any market? Any market. So I could put $10 on Porsche Woodman to score a try, then get my $20 bonus bet and put it on Porsche Woodman to score a try. So I get 30 bucks on it for 10 that's exactly what you could do if you so choose, my very good friend, Mark Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> I've found the loophole. I've found the loophole. Oh, I'm going to let you go before you go and turn that little term and condition against us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Oh, well. Yeah, it's too late now. The offer's out there. Get stuck in, Steph. Good on you, mate. Paul Mighty, always enjoy chatting, mate. Enjoy the weekend. Yep, you too. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Paul Mike, that's an absolute beauty. $10 on pre-match, and they just straight away give you it. It doesn't matter the wins or it. You just straight away get a $20 bonus bet. So it's 10, 10 for 20 Yeah. Oh. It doesn't have to win or lose or anything. So if you back them today, I'd say within a few minutes, the 20 will just pop up, and you can go again. Or you can put 10 on the Black Ferns or England, whatever you want. You put the 20 on the UFC if you want. Well, you can chuck it on a multi if you want. Oh, so it's $20 bonus. I thought he said $20 to use on the game. Oh, I don't know if you have to. I don't think they can. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, can they, can, they, can they do that? I don't know. No, it'll just be a bonus bet. I'll try it. Go I'll on. try it and I'll report back, Sam. Go on. You oh. love a bonus bet, and well, they love to give you it, and you love to use it. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not your best work. Nah, I was trying to piece it together as quick as I could. Yeah, we're going to take a race later. Uh, the three... What did you say? Three seventeen. Three seventeen. I think it is because Louis has uh, he he's come through via comms. Well, I tell you what he's done. Actually, he's given he's had, he's had chats to Zach Butcher and I think Mark Purden, mm-hmm. and he wants us to play those out because there's a few tips in there Ooh. before the race goes at three seventeen. So we might play them out at about two thirty. If right. you're listening in, then you'll get a couple of tips for the race at three seventeen. We'll play it out live on air. Mark Purden's horse at dollar ninety. Zach Butcher's three eighty. The other two.
$20 bonus bet. <laughs> and I'm going to try and find one that's paying lots of dollars because uh, you don't have to put too much on. And I'll tell you what it is now. It's Artie by the Seaside. And that's paying 26 and Are you in a 26? Name a more iconic duo than Staff in a 26. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> Staff in a G6. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know I'm a sucker for, like, if someone gives me, like, a dollar fifty or two, I just... Doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. But you give me the 20, the 20 plus, mm. actually 15 plus, and I'll, and I'll throw a, ten, a tenner on it. What about a $12 one? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Treacherous school. Mm. Robbie Close. You're thinking, you're thinking? I'm thinking. Um, what I'm thinking, we'll take a break because you've been beavering away, just scouring the dark net for your stories around the world. We'll get those off you, Sam, after a break. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent... And horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Just had a couple of texts to Sam saying that the T's and C's on the TRB website say put $10 on the New Zealand women, England women game and you get a $20 bonus bet. It has to go onto that same game. So that clarifies it. Thank you to Gopher and to John for letting us know. Still though, you know, like you said, put a... Put a tenner on Porsche. Put a twenty on Porsche. Mm. You know, thirty bucks, not bad. 30 what is goes. she? I wonder what she is paying for. About dollar seventy for I any think. time. Yeah, any time. Okay, okay. We'll have a little look at that. Um, well, what's making headlines around the world? And uh, staff, you know, it's an issue that's very close to my heart. It's either space or crypto. It's crypto. And um, <laughs> a story headline that uh, I, I had to click on naturally because. Uh, not only does it involve Bitcoin, but it involves something else I enjoy a lot, and that's popcorn. Put two and two together. Missing $3.4 billion in Bitcoin found hidden in a popcorn box. <laughs> Bear with me here I now. have to, because that does, doesn't make sense yet. Police in Georgia, USA, raided the home of James Zong, who's a 32-year-old, and uncovered numerous devices hiding stolen cryptocurrency. In fact... Cryptocurrency that was stolen 10 years ago, 50,000 Bitcoin, <gasps> which with the current price, 3.4 billion USD, um, a remarkable amount. It is the second largest cryptocurrency seizure in US history. Um, and they found it uh, in an underground, uh, they found some in an underground safe and another covered in blankets inside a popcorn tin in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, that, I mean... Y- That's that's going to arouse suspicion, isn't it? Having the popcorn in the bathroom. That is... Under blankets. Under blankets. It's a red flag. Have they they trained beagles to sniff out hard drives with Bitcoin on them? They can find pretty much anything. It's a good um, good question, Steph. Um, I've told you where the word bug originated from, didn't I? Bug. Bug. um, Like a computer bug? No. Didn't I tell you about that? No. Didn't I tell you about the... No. Well, you might have, but I've forgotten. It originated from... So when you've got a bug on your computer, everyone, you know, it's common terminology now, but it originated from, I think, one of the first ever computers. There was something stopped working, and when they pulled it apart, they found that there was a moth inside oh. um, stopping doing it. So it became nomenclature to call it a bug. Nomenclature? Yeah, common nomenclature. This is another word I haven't heard. Really? Oh, yeah, common nomenclature to uh, to, to call, a, call it a bug if something's wrong with your computer. You and that's where it was, anyway, I said that because I wonder if there's... Yeah, I'm trying to think of words that can relate to animals some way. Sniffing out bugs, sniffing out crypto, I don't know. But I'm sure they're, they're training someone, mm. something, mm. somewhere. Probably a virtual dog. <laughs> what would that sound like, Mark? A virtual dog? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Not like a greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> not like a greyhound. I hope it's not like that either, Mark. <laughs> it's an artificial oh pant. Oh, my gosh. An artificial um, pant. This one. 
we talked about uh, the mail race in Kentucky yesterday. Yes. That went round to a, uh, went down to a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that no such thing has happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, Democrat Anthony Tony DeLuca, Downey. Downey DeLuca, uh, maybe DeLucha, DeLuca, um, was re-elected uh, during uh, this week's midterms by a landslide. Staff mm. votes, eighty-five uh, percent. Wow, eighty-five percent of the votes. He sweeped up. That's almost unanimous. At the age of 85. What? He's 85 and he got 85%. A percent a year. I know. It's crazy. There's just one catch here, Steph. Yeah. No opposition. He's actually dead. (laughs) He died a month ago. You're joking. joking. I'm not laughing at the death. I know. I know. I respect it. Thoughts and with the family. Yeah, I know. The reason is, is it was so close to the election that they couldn't, they probably come up with all the technology and the ballots and they couldn't redo it. So they just had to let it play out. He got 85% and they're sort of saying, what a great result. Unfortunately, not going to stand. We're going to have to have another election Mm. later on. But um, that actually happened in the Auckland mayoral race just recently because Viv Beck pulled out after they'd printed the voting forms. Yeah. And the voting forms were sent out and Viv Beck's name was still on there. Okay. And people voted for her. Did she do well? She got she got some. I'm not sure, but she she, she got didn't get eighty five percent. But the thing was, I I also read that if she got enough to to win, yeah, they could have gone to her and say, "Hey, look, you've won. Do you want to go back in?" Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that might have saved her some money too. You're pulling out a couple of weeks early, but she didn't get eighty five percent like no, uh, old Tony DeLucha. Unbelievable. Um, kids are taking a Snapchat there, just getting involved. Um. <laughs> And finally, the, the the chicken man yesterday. I'm going to link these two stories together, and I may get in trouble for it. So hopefully no one from the FBI or the US is listening. Now that I've said it, though, they, they probably are going to tune in. Chicken man. Um, the chicken man, right? So here's a story. Uh, the TSA, the security, what's it called? Travel Security Association. Yeah. Right? They have found a handgun in South Florida in an airport. They've found a handgun stuffed inside a raw chicken <laughs> in someone's luggage. So now, I mean, so many questions. Naturally, Steph. I mean, who thinks that the gun's actually going to make it on? Secondly, the raw chicken—that's a big—that's a big red flag. No one puts a raw, just a straight raw chicken in the bag, do they? No. Um, and then putting the two together, and you know, you, you obviously got to get in there mm. with the gun to, to shove it in there, um, which someone has obviously done. Um, if he got it through, though, what a coop! Uh, not bad, not bad, not bad. I'm trying to think. I, it was going to get way too cheesy if I yeah. kept going out there. Um, here's a funny thing, actually. You're actually allowed. I looked it up. You're allowed to carry food, like chicken, in your domestically. In your, yeah, you're allowed to do yeah, it. You are. So it's actually the chicken's fine. Mm. The chicken's a okay. It's the well, gun, it's not. Obviously. It's dead and plucked, and yeah, it's not fine. <laughs> well, it, it, from a consumption point of view, it's fine. Yeah, just not with the gun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought it might have been our mate who had eaten uh, chicken 40, 40 days in a row, the rotisserie dude. I thought maybe is it the same guy? Yeah, you know, and this is the forty first chicken, and he just went a little bit too far. You know, <laughs> son of a gun. Um, now you want a fact? Oh, love a fact. I I back myself with this one actually. I right think on. this is one of the better ones that have come out in the last couple of weeks. Afternoons with Steffi, fact of the day. Oh, I hope I haven't told you this one. Though. Oh, I hope not. Let's hope I haven't told this one on air. Now, when I say the word military grade to you, what do you think? Military grade. Military grade steel. Yeah, I'd say robust, 
passed a lot of tests, mm. doesn't rust. Worthy of a war. Yeah, like yep. stands up to the elements. Yes, uh, completely false stuff. Military grade is nothing more than a marketing trick because when they refer to military grade in the armed forces, they literally mean the, the cheapest product that gets the job done. That's military grade. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's the cheapest but does the job, that's military grade. So it's an absolute ruse. If you, if you see that put on anything tense, you know, military grade tense, don't buy it. Just gets through. It's just cheap. Just gets just through. Cheap. The tr- They'll get the job done. But yeah. Good text from Rory. Someone tried to sell me a coffin once. I said, that's the last thing I need. Rory. I love it. Got some more text messages, which we will get to before the news at two. Let us take a quick break, and we'll get back to those after that. (laughs) Some good text. Gophers just said, was the chicken winged and dangerous or just half-cocked? Sam, the chicken? Good question. Uh, I love Sam's pronunciation of nomenclature. On purpose, I presume. Good one. Well, you actually said it. I, I looked it up after reading that text, Mark, because it wasn't on purpose. Um, you just said it the, I think, the American English way, nomenclature. Yeah. But the British English or the alternative is nomenclature, how I said. Oh, nomenclature. So it's either nomenclature or nomenclature. Nomenclature, but, um, I'd go with. And Mark says go spank him. Mark's a good tipster. Spank him in the free-for-all. Off the front. Lots of speed. Uh, boys, regards to chicken on the plane, have you guys... <laughs> Never got a flight to Raro, 50-piece packs all over the place. I got a flight to Samoa. It's full of KFC. They all take, and at the plane, some would say reeks of it. I welcome it. I absolutely welcome it. Staff, what's your best pick for the Dominion Trot today? I don't think they beat Sunday Sun. Got his manners back. Unbelievable stayer. If it gets to the front, he's the hardest horse to pass in New Zealand in the harness game, Sunday Sun. Um, it's very, very short price though But that is my pick for the Dominion Trot I'll try and find something else though Because I do try and find a um, I'll try and find something a bit longer odds And Rory's just said he saw a chicken crossing the road once It was like poultry in motion <laughs> Love it Rory Let's take the news Pack a chicken into my little lazy Put a bit of a handgun in it's crazy Don't know that song at all uh, Stick to the uh, stick to your, your day jobs there I'll it. stick to my Barry Watts <laughs> uh, One text message I want to just quickly rack off We got it in uh, a wee while ago But uh, it's a good one from uh, Peter Mack uh, why I have become a fan of the Black Ferns. This is a group of young women who are aspirational to all young women in New Zealand. They love what they're doing. Doesn't a smile go a long, long way? Coaching class always leaves big footprints without uh, shunning athletes. Everything the All Blacks are not. They feel like a national team, not a franchise. They are a national team, not a brand. They are a national team, not a money-making unit. 27-9 to the Black Ferns for me. Nothing gained without hard work. Nihil Bonne Sine Labore. Palmerston North Boys High motto. Is it, is it, what was it? Nihil uh, Bonne Sine Labore. It wasn't me. Nothing achieved without hard work. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. Good stuff, Peter. I had one in America. It was non-sibby. It standard for not for self, which thought, is like okay, but it's just a very. I thought it was bland. Manchester United, not City. <laughs> not for self. Yeah. Non-sibby. Um, Staff, I watched the rugby league Kiwis Wahine this morning. What a great game! They played bloody well and were very unlucky. They missed a kick, uh, an adjacent kick. That's from Marshy. Yeah, uh, unlucky for them. Forward uh, pass by Aussie at the end as well. Forward pass. Just saying. Um, we are going to. Um, we're going to have a chat. Actually, it's a chat I had earlier this morning with Darren Williams out of Addington. A big race day for them, and there's a big, big race day coming up early December. Here's right. a chat. Just what? before you get to that, though, staff. Yes. Um, just come through red hot, red hot through the email here. Flagged, oh. important. Uh, we got two double passes to the Wellington Phoenix this weekend. Sweet. Uh, and all you got to do this is what we're going to do. All you got to do is text Nix. To double eight double three. Is that N I X? That's N I X. Um, double eight double three, which is double eight double three. The, the Tim Bed Post text machine. And look, if you're in Wellington, obviously ideal. If not, you want to give it to someone you know who's down there, or whatever. Totally fine. But Nix double eight double three. We've got two double passes. Thanks to Oppo. O P P O. Thank you. And as Oppo. Ricardo would say, go and watch the Phoenix take on the Oppo. Oh, yeah, the opposition. The, the opposition. opposition. Which is uh, Wanderers. Wanderers. Wanderers yeah. Bottom of the table. Go and watch them win. Go and watch the Knicks win. Text double eight double three. the word Knicks. We'll just pluck two out, and Captain K will give you a call. Anyway, as I was saying, Darren Williams out of Addington chatted to him this morning. What a week it's been for harness racing fans, and when you think it's over, it isn't. Um, and not only today, but there's the harness racing Grand Prix uh, Sunday, 4th of December at Addington Raceway. Geez, they get some good events. Uh, joining us now as he's done right through this build-up and we're in the right in the mixer now of Cup Week. It's free-for-all day. It's uh, the, the, the big trot day as well. Darren Williams out of Addington. Darren, um, just before we talk about today and the Grand Prix, how's the week been for you so far? You're tired? <laughs> yeah, I'll have a beer eventually. Staff, but no, look, it's been a, a massive team effort by the whole team here at Addington. It takes to put it all together, and as I said to someone, if you were doing something as big as this more regularly, it'd probably be a wee bit more seamless. Sort of um, bringing everything in once a year is a little bit of a challenge. But look, everyone on on Cup Day had a great day, and, and uh, that record turnover, highest turnover on a race meeting in New Zealand history. Uh, we're very, very proud of that. Out of the top ten race meetings in history, Cup Day holds seven of those spots. So. It was a big day. Our crowd was a little bit down on what we expected. GA was a little bit slower than we expected, but we still had about 15-odd thousand people here, and clearly they, they didn't mind having a punt anyway. So, look, it was a great day. The racing was fantastic, and the weather really played its part. A wee bit cooler today, unfortunately, but the weather played its part on Cup Day. It was just a great day. Horses probably don't mind it just a little bit cooler as well. Uh, I, two races, two big races today. Uh, the first one's the Remick Farms Dominion Trot. I've been on Sunday Sun for a long, long time. Looked like it had gone off a bit with a couple of sort of uncharacteristic breaks, but it looks like the Duns have sorted out, and, geez, it's a short favourite. Yeah, yeah, it's like he put in a performance last year that was just incredible, breaking four minutes as a trotter. Uh, as you say, he had been a little bit indifferent by his own high standards, but he was driven aggressively at Kaikoura by John Dunn, and he was well and truly back on track. So I think we're going to see the same thing. He's a tremendous stayer, Sunday Sun. So whilst he's trotting, he um, he can do it at, at real speed for a long time, which is what takes the energy out of the rest of them. 
Muscle Mountain, unfortunately, has drawn barrier one, which sounds good on paper, but can be tricky from the two-mile start. So hopefully he gets away safely. Uh, it will be clearly the biggest danger. And then there's a number of other horses there, including Mataderos, who, who ran as close as anyone to, to Sunday Sun last year. There was a street back to the rest of him when he runs second in this race. So I think he's paying about $30 fixed odds at the moment for Blair Orange, of course, who won the Cup. Yeah, and I had Matadiros on Cup Day. Uh, the other one we had on Cup Day, you, me, Sam, all the producers here had rock and roll do. Didn't step away with him, and you can't afford to do that against the, the high-quality New Zealand Cup. But he finds the mobile start now, middle of the front row. Does he just jet to the front and say, catch me if you can? I don't know if he jets to the front. I think he's going to be very hard to beat, but he's not a high-speed horse. He can maintain his speed for a long time, and as we've talked about, he's, he's gone very quick, but not generally when he's been in front. Uh, there's a quite a bit of speed in this race. Spankham's a very, very smart sprinter. Um, the connections of the two Telfer horses, Elta Wise Guy and Betty Joe. Elta Wise Guy's drawn one, Betty Joe right behind it, and he's indicated he's going to stay in front. So there will be a bit of speed out of the gate. So I'm not sure that Rock and Roll do will, will find the front as easily as, as it looks on paper. I don't think that'll be a problem for him, though. He'll find a nice posse, and um, I think he just put a line through the fact that he's galloped away the other day. Really, really disappointing for the guys. Um, he sort of bobbled, and he looked like he was going to pace, and then he lost the plot completely. Um, I think he'll bounce back a wee bit today, but there's a couple of others in there. Old Town Road, the new boy on the block, he ran his last mile in the cup in 151 um, to, run, to run six. So um, I think you'll find that he'll be in the money. Old town round for he, a place. Even from the second row, I think he, he, mm. he will be there about. Uh, of course, Majestic Cruise is a very good sprinter as well, and he runs second in the cup. So it's a great race, and quite often we see that with the free-for-all. Afterwards, you've seen something astonishing way back two years ago when Armalite smashed the world record in, in the free-for-all when it was 2,000-metre race. So there's always something exciting that happens in this race, and it's a great feel for that to happen again. It is. And before we go, uh, Darren Williams out of Addington. Um, the Harness Grand Prix, Sunday the 4th of December. Uh, what's that? About three weeks away. What can you tell us about that day? So it's three weeks away. It's basically the Harness Jewels, if you, is the best way to describe it. There are four two-year-old races for uh, boys and girls of both sexes. There's also the New Zealand Pacing Derby, the New Zealand Pacing Oaks, the Trotting Derby, the New Zealand Trotting Free-for-All, and the Summer Cup, all on the same program. There's eight Group 1s and a Group 3. Uh, stakes in it well in excess of a million dollars, and it's a Sunday afternoon here at Addington, so it'll be a massive day. Uh, and as I say, that's just three weeks away. So the favourite for the Derby at this stage would be Akuta. Well, is that the one that's got the the Ace of Clubs and Ace of Diamonds and all of that? Yeah, so the two-year-old races that previously were named after jewels, they're all named after cards or decks of cards this year, um, and that's part of the Grand Prix. So those four races are there, plus those other uh, Group 1 classics um, to, to build into a math program, which is the culmination of the change of birthday because those horses, of course, all... Gotcha. become a year older on the 1st of January. So these races have been positioned at the back end of the season to give the horses the, the most opportunity during their, their age year, two or three-year-olds, to, to, um, to grab a classic at the end of the year. I took a long-term 
a long-term futures bet on Sherlock to win the Ace of Spades, and I'm very happy with that. how that's travelled in its last two starts. He was very good the other day. Staffy, um, he's improving all the time. He doesn't know a lot, but he hasn't had a lot of racing, but he's a very smart horse and one of the ones that Dean Feast owns. She's, she's a massive supporter of New Zealand Harness Racing for the number of horses she buys, and she, she's a racer. She races them. She's not one to breed from them. Generally, the fillies are sold at the end of the career, regardless of how much money they've won. Mm. Um, but she's a she's a massive supporter, and um, you couldn't get a, a better owner to win, win some features. And Sherlock looks like it could be another star for her. Mm. Well, the Harness Grand Prix—it's the ultimate in Group One harness racing. It's Sunday, the fourth of December. Get yourself to addington.co.nz. Get the details on how you can get along. That is a star-studded day that you don't want to miss. Darren, I want to thank you for joining us all through the lead-up and then again during Cup Week. You always make yourself available. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. It's just a, a bugger that rock and roll do. Had a wee skip in the, in the Cup. Oh, but, well. uh, talking to the owner yesterday, he, uh, it was more about the trip and making him for him. It would have been nice for us to back him at $21 for him to be winning, but I've got a rough feeling that he will be back next year to defend uh, or to, to participate in the series again, and, and he'll be all the better for a standing start experience. Mm. Brilliant, Darren. Have a great day. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Darren Williams out of Addington that I spoke to this morning. Just noticed that the Awapuni meeting has been abandoned. The Gallops meeting there, a horse slipped at the 600 metre mark. So in the interest of safety for horses and jockeys and everyone concerned, they've abandoned. Slightly slick track, just bringing you up to date with that. Now also this morning, um, after I talked to Darren, a very busy man at the, moment, at the moment at the New Zealand Open Squash, which is on in Tauranga is a very familiar voice to the station, Dave Worsley. I hung up from Darren, I rang Dave and said, what's up in the squash? Here's that chat. SENZ. We're talking squash now, and we go down to the New Zealand Open and our squash man. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Dave Worsley joins us. Um, <laughs> Worsley, we're in the second half of the uh, quarterfinals. I've watched a bit of it on Sky. First of all, that court and that, that arena looks Awesome. Yeah, it, it is fantastic. I mean, the funny thing is, I've actually worked there for tennis. Uh, I've called weightlifting uh, national champs <laughs> not so long ago. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. That was fantastic to call. Um, you know, that not so long ago, they had a netball test here. Also, just over 10 days ago, before the uh, tournament started, they had uh, the Bay of Plenty home show or something like that. Wow. So it's, it's really big. On the other side of the venue, like you just walked down the hallway, they had the volleyball. Uh, junior secondary schools champs or whatever it is uh, for Bay of Plenty as well. So they've even got that going on at the same time. So it's it's, it's big. And you know, one of the really good things is it's got car parking. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, that just sounds really bad. But, you know, for people to turn up, they don't have to fear about, um, you know, trying to find somewhere on the street or anything like that. So it actually works out really well. It's a great venue. And the audio-visual uh, guys, the, the, what they've put up is fantastic with the screens behind and the screens up high. And it's, you feel close, well, you are close, um, but, you know, everybody's uh, really enjoying it. And last night, um, Paul Cole made the comments after his match that, um, well, you know, he had all of his relatives here and there's only five people left in Greymouth. <laughs> and he said, I like that uh, you can sit there and have a few beers and watch. That's what squash is all about. I love that. Where, where are we at then? So yeah. tell us about the Kiwis involved. Are they all still alive? Well, they are. Well, the two of them, Paul Cole and uh, Joel King, certainly are the top seeds. Uh, Paul Cole last night defeated the sixth seed 
Adrian Wallace in England in a straight games, probably his uh, best match he's played over the last 10 days. Uh, Wallace is a fairly decent player, about 20 in the world or thereabout. And uh, they played in the Commonwealth Games quarterfinals, and it was quite a tough one. But uh, last night it was uh, 7, 6, and 9. And, uh, yeah, he, he was playing well. He was a little bit more aggressive, which is good to see, because if he wants to uh, go through uh, to the final, he's most likely to meet Mohamed Al-Shabagi, who is aggressive full stop when he plays. Uh, the thing for Cole is he's going to take on a um, player from Qatar, I think he's actually born in Qatar, which is one of the weirdest things because most people who represent Qatar in uh, any sport are not born from there. Um, but uh, Abdullah Mohamed uh, Tamimi from Qatar is uh, the seventh seed. He's a decent player on the rise who actually beat Cole earlier this year at the big tournament in Qatar. So he's good. And he's also coached by the legendary Jeff Hunt. Now, he was one of the wow. players like Hitter Mackay. You had Jeff Hunt um, sort of coming through the amateur to semi-professional era. And now Jeff Hunt is around. He, I asked him, I said, your name's on the uh, trophy. He said, ah, is it? Oh, I can't remember that. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's, it's there more than once. But, oh, okay. I said, I'm going to try and get a photo with you with the trophy. He's like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> Tell us about the strength of the fields, Dave. Like it's truly international. You've just yeah. said you've just said New Zealand, you've said Egypt, you've said Qatar. Um, how, truly international lineup. Well, then uh, this afternoon in the uh, remaining men's quarterfinals, we have an Argent, uh, Argentine, Argentinian, Leonardo Orlando uh, Rombagino. He takes on uh, Mohamed Al Shabagi, and the other one there that we've got is the world number ten, Victor Cruden. Uh, he takes on American Andrew Douglas. So, you know, just in those names, I'm sort of scattered all over the world, aren't I? Mm. It's, it's pretty kind of cool. And in the uh, women's uh, quarterfinals, the remaining quarters uh, later on today, we've got Mela Hedes from Belgium. That's Paul Cole's partner. Up against Holly Norton from Canada. We've got the Welsh uh, woman, uh, Tiffany Evans, who's actually engaged to a uh, former rugby player from uh, Taranaki, I believe. Um, and she's up against Sarah Jane Perry. So, you know, you've got players from all, all over the place. We had uh, a Japanese player last night in the... Um, in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of cool how right? oh, you've got all these nationalities. And some of them uh, I saw yesterday when it wasn't raining uh, on lime scooters hooning around town, <laughs> which you generally wouldn't recommend for most athletes before they play. But, I mean, Paul Cole's been doing it as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Last question. In, and this might be a dumb question, but in tennis, um, there's fast courts and slow courts and swimming. There's fast swimming pools and slow swimming pools. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? That That is weird. It's just water. But, and squash, uh, is there such a thing as fast courts? Yeah, there is. Well, the court that we have here in uh, in Tauranga is uh, is a very kind of um, regular court. It plays well, is what the players are saying. It's not sort of uh, a hot, cold, whatever. It's uh, it, it plays true. Uh, even Susan DeVoy has managed to get her on there, and um, she's like, oh, this is quite nice. It's almost as good, you know, it's, it's as good as my court. Like she says, my court. She has a club here called the DeVoy Club. It has a glass court there. It's, you know, you, you have my courts and that. No, she, she said it was really good. The technology around it was fantastic. But, yeah, it's playing very true. Obviously, if it's cooler uh, inside or outside, it does affect it slightly with the bounce. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's playing very well. And the players have been very, uh, very, very impressed. The, the crowd's been impressed as well. And I think, you know, what we're looking at is potentially some uh, really good semifinals tomorrow night. And then the finals, if it does work out, Certainly the finals that we'd love to see would be Paul Cole against Mohamed Al-Shabagi. 
and uh, Joelle King against Sarah Jane Perry just because of the rivalries. And yes, they are the top seeds and that sort of thing. I mean, there's some players who want to upset that and muck it all up for us, but that's fine. Uh, that's professional sport. But, you know, if that does happen, I think it'll be a real thrill if you can get near the uh, TV or whatever because it is sold out. People are trying to sell their tickets on Trade Me um, and everything else well on Facebook because everybody wants them. Um, you know, you can fit around about a thousand people in and people going, you need more tickets? And I'm like, well, well, we can't fit any more people in. So, you know, if you've got a chance um, on uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, have a look on um, Sky and, uh, you know, you might see some really cool kind of squash. Just quickly, when are the session times then, today and, and then semis and finals? Okay, so the remaining quarterfinals start at 6pm tonight through until about 9.30, I'd expect. Uh, tomorrow is uh, similar, so Paul Cole will be about... Uh, uh, 6.45 for him, uh, followed by Joel King. And then the finals on Sunday, well, they're going to be at, I think it's 1 and 3 o'clock. We're basically following each other. So, um, yeah, um, it should be all over by about 4.30 on uh, Sunday. So, yeah, keep watching from 1 o'clock on Sunday. Perfect, Dave. Thanks for the update, buddy. No worries. Dave Worsley out of Tauranga there, the New Zealand Squash Open, and uh, it is on Sky, so you can watch it on there. Uh, congratulations to Andrew and Sam. They win the Knicks ticks, the Knicks tickets, and uh, I think Captain K's been in uh, touch with you. Now, show me the monies now. We're going a little bit early because Sammy's got a scoot, so 0800 150 811, a four-leg multi. You know how it runs. Me, Sam, and Captain K pick a leg each. You pick a leg each. Put a $50 TRB bonus bet on it. And if it wins, you win. And we celebrate with you. Call us 0800 150 811. Show me the money next. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Show me the money time. Yes, Jerry Maguire. Um, Who we got on the phone? Sammy, who's playing with us today? I think we got Kane on the line. Kane, g'day. Yo, yo, how are you going? Oh, are, you a, are you a Captain K or a Captain C? Oh, Captain K. You're a yeah, Captain boy. K too. Where, where are you going from? Uh, uh, Carpety Nice. nice. That's where yeah. I'm going for Christmas. I have a carpety ice cream. Yeah, I love the carpety ice cream, apple crumble <laughs> ice cream. All right, Kane, uh, we are going to tell you what our three picks are, and then you can go conservative or you can go wide. You can do whatever you want, champion. So... Where should we start, Sammy? I think we start with Captain K. Oh, the Captain K. Our Captain our K. Our Captain K, sorry, yes. Right, our Captain K. Captain, Captain Kears. K. Captain Kears. Boys, Captain. look, uh, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Conservatism does win championships. That's where my head's at this week. Uh, the most conservative champion I've seen in recent times is, ah, uh, oh man, is he Adesanya. So uh, what I'm doing, having a look now, Israel Adesanya, double chance by KO, TKO, or on points. Nice. Dollar fifty-seven. Play it safe. Get the win. Uh, sure, I like that. Money. I like that. So, I mean, you know, I'm not a UFC fan, so that just means no submission, basically. No submission. And he has to win. And but, he has um, to win. And yeah, no not bad. Okay, dollar fifty-seven. Good nice. start. Good great start. start. Great start. Um, should I go next, Steph? If you like. Um, right. I'm going to the. Uh, well, of course, I'm going to the great game of rugby league and uh, the semi-final between uh, the semi between the Kiwis and the Kangaroos, and I, I just I don't sort of want to touch anything margins and who's going to win and scores or anything, Steph. So I've gone for something a little bit, not exotic, but I've gone for the total points in the match to be under 42 and a half. Why? Paying it a dollar eighty-seven. Last 10 times Australia and the Kiwis have met, only one game has ever gone on over 42 and a half, and it was a 44-point game. 
great, so, great and investigation. I, and I think a semi-final, I just think, I spoke to Manai out there, even if the Kangaroos smash us, I think a smashing is like 36-6, which is 42. So I'm happy with 42 and a half. Uh, and that's paying $1.85. That's a nice little uh, Show me little hollandaise sauce on your steak there, Staff. Over to you. Over to me. Um, bit of a no-brainer for me today. Uh, the Welsh team are playing the Argentinian team in rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. Wales looked average against the All Blacks. Argentina looked great in beating the English. Michael Checker's got them firing. They've had a fantastic 12 months, Argentina. And they're only slight favourites. I'd, I'd have them warm favourites. They're $1.77, Argentina, to beat Wales. Show me the money. Yes, I like it. I like it, Steph. So at the moment, Kane, uh, we've got $5.14 in the odds kitty. You can uh, add to that however you choose. Yep. <laughs> Sweet as. Sounds good. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with, uh, I'll go back to the UFC. Okay. And I'm going to go with um, Brad Riddell just to win. Just to be conservative to join you boys. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Brad Riddell. I, I love the heart of Brad Riddell. He's just a mongrel. I'm just trying to find it yeah. here, Brad. I said a dollar ninety-five. I mean, that's not overly conservative, Steph. No, it's good. He's the underdog. He's the underdog. So chuck okay. all those into I, the I, mixer. I've put that into the into the um, the multi-blender into the sausage machine. Got ourselves ten dollars oh two on the odds. So if I just go in here, place our show me the money multi. Four hundred and fifty and sixty cents. Four hundred and fifty-one dollars oh. and twenty-one cents. You'll take it, Kane. Good. You'll take it. You'll take good. it, Captain K from Company Coast. Hey, eh? boy. Yep. Show me the money, baby. Yeah, let's go. Good on you, Kane. Um, we wish you all the very best, mate. Thanks for joining in. Um, I think we're a chance this week. I say that every week, but uh, I think we're a slightly better chance than normal. So good luck to Kane. Thanks for playing Show Me the Money. We'll take new sport and weather, and we will return. Righto, go show me the money. Go show me the money. Very shortly, we're going to hear a couple of clips that uh, Louis Herman Watt has sent through from the track down there at Addington. We're going to be taking the race at 3.17. So this is, our, this is what the next hour or so looks like. Um, we'll play out those interviews. Um, we're going to have uh, Ravinda Hunia and Zaid. I'm looking out the window. I haven't seen Zaid arrive yet. He won't be far away though. Oh, it's only 2.30. He's coming on at 3. So we'll be talking UFC with Zaid and Ravinda after the 3 o'clock news. We're going to play the 3.17 race, which is the Dunstan Size Stakes Phillies final mobile. And um, Louis Herman Watts caught up with Mark Purden and Zach Butcher. Mark Purden is driving Millwood, Millwood Nike. Or Nike, dollar uh, ninety. An advance party will be under the control of Zachary Butcher. Um, it's a bit of a short, and I opened at fives into three eighty. So we'll get the inside oil from those two guys very, very shortly. Um, and also shortly is a race. We're not going to play the race, but if you remember Cup Day on the Good Oil, I was all about Harold Smith. It's about to go in about uh, three minutes. As I say, I won't play that race, but. Um, Harold Smith is paying $5 and it's swooped for second, so I hope it can go a little bit better. Um, we're also going to play the vault soon. Don't ring yet. Don't ring yet. Um, I'll give you a heads up when to, when to ring in for that. Um, someone texted her and said, is Jeremy Paul not on today? No, he's crook. Um, he, he's battling with, um, I hope it's not long COVID for the big man because he got it just after he got home from when he was in New Zealand. He's still not flash, so... Um, yeah, no Jeremy Paul today. I did get some texts from listeners wishing him well, 
take a photo of it, send it to him, but he's asleep. So um, he will be back next week, he said. Um, but let's have a look at, or not a look, let's have a listen to the two chats that Louis had. Which one should we do first, Captain K? We'll do... Let's go see Zach. Let's let's have a chat to Zachary Butcher. Now Zachary Butcher is driving is driving. I just told you and now I've already forgotten and I've gone to the wrong race. This is terrible stuff. Advance party. This is terrible. Advance party, currently paying three eighty, having opened at five. Zach Butcher will be the driver. What about the Phillies race, the Phillies final? It's a good race. There's a couple of really nice Phillies in there. The favourite, um, she's been winning, but she's drawn pretty sticky for um, Hayden Cullen and, and Mark Purden. What about Advance Party? Your chance? Yeah, you'd have to give her a real big chance again. There's a bit of talk on track that uh, the one I follow out is going to lead as well. Uh, Mark's one's going to have to do a little bit to get round and get handy. Don't get me wrong, class Philly, she's going to be hard to beat. But if we get a good suck along and get our chance out the straight, mate, there's no reason to say she can't win that. Oh, I love the way Zachary Butcher chats. Gives his char- gives his horse a big chance, but reading between the lines, the biggest threat is uh, the Millwood horse, Mark Purden, will drive that. Let's hear from him. Millwood Nike, she's a filly that just seems to be doing everything right, but it's a tricky draw today. Where are your confidence levels with the filly? Well, confidence that she comes into it very well and, and, um, and fit for the assignment, but uh, yeah, not so confident. that I think it's the, the trickiest draw she has been given. Mm. Do you think she's the best filly in the race? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, uh, probably a form line. She, you know, she's beaten all the other fillies fair and square, really. There he is, beating all the fillies fair and square. He never gets over-exuberant Mark Purden. He's an absolute consummate professional. So Millwood Nike, $1.90. Uh, second favourite now, moved into second favourite, and it's drawn the one marble is Kalua Flyby. That'll be driven by Tim Williams. Advance parties, the third favourite for Zachary Butcher at three eighty. And then it's a massive step out to the fourth favourite at 12 bucks. Treacherous Gaul. Robbie Close. And then the next one. Now this is the Purden Cullen horse. So this is the stablemate of the Red Hot Pot. Natalie Rasmussen, who is Mark Putin's partner. $26. And my rough, rough, roughy for, the, for a place is Artie by the seaside. Uh, 26 and 450. But as I say, we'll bring you that at 317. They will get away. And before that, we'll be talking to Zaid and Ravinda about UFC 281. But we've got a brand new vault. A brand new vault worth 50 bucks. $50 TRB bonus bet. You get seven questions. Yes, no questions. Can you unlock this vault of this momentous sporting moment, Captain K? Is it fair to say it's a momentous sporting moment? Very. Very, a very momentous sporting moment. Can you unlock the vault? You ring us up on 0800 150 811 and you have seven questions. Captain K will say yes or no and after those seven, you have to say what it is. If you're right and the vault unlocks, $50 TAB bonus bet will be yours. Give us a call now, 0800 150 811 to play the vault. Seven questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault. <laughs> Welcome into the vault. I can't read that out, Rory, but it was funny. Uh, the vault. We are playing the vault. Captain K in the hot seat. The man with the answer. Who have we got online? Well, Seth, we've got a first-time caller, actually. Mm. I uh, picked it up straight away, put in the random number generator, and it landed on him. Jackson, hello. G'day. <laughs> You're hey. excited, mate. Have you uh, you've uh, listened to the vault before? No. 
<laughs> right, here's how it works, Jackson. We have put locked away into a vault an iconic sporting moment. Now, you get yeah. seven questions. It's like 20 questions, but you get seven, and we'll give you yes-no answers. And at the end of that seven, you have a guess of what the iconic sporting moment is. Gotcha. Okay. So hit us with question number one. Oh, it's got to be relevant to something now. So with all the ponies going around, is it to do with horses? Look, I like where your head's at, uh, but unfortunately, no. Not to do with horses. Is it to do with horses? No. So no's are just as valuable sometimes as yeses. Okay, okay. All right, mate. Um, okay. It's a team's event. Is it a team sport, Captain K? The sport involved in the moment is a team. A team. Yes. It's a team. Yep. You say yes. Maybe. Yep. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Is the is the event currently being held? A current. I know what you're saying. Is it currently okay. being? Yep. The, the historical event might be in the past, but are they currently hosting a similar event? So, is the iconic moment a current event? No, no, no. Is it a sport? That's so I think I think now. what he's saying, Steph, is like so. Say cup weeks on right now, this moment because yeah, it's right. not pony, so I can say that the, it could have been in 1986. But he's saying, is it still happening now? Is that correct? Yes, yeah. This, yes, this spectacle <laughs> does uh, still go on. Yes. Okay. All right. Is the is the uh, the, the current event is it being held in the UK? <laughs> Yes, it is. Okay, so okay. Okay, okay. How many is that? That's four. One. You got three more. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. Okay. Uh, oh, is it? Is it involve the Kiwi League team? Does it involve the Kiwis League team? No, it does not. <laughs> okay. uh, 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 is it being held in Australia? Is it held in Australia? Oh, did I say the UK? Oh, no, no I, was, I was just talking to myself there, mate. Um, <laughs> so you want to know if it involves, if if the event we're talking about was held in Australia or are the current ones being held in Australia? No, 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 that was just, I was just talking to myself, so I didn't do that. Um, oh, okay. I think I'll stick with the UK. Uh, <laughs> What else in the UK? Oh, rugby. Uh, Wales, Wales. Who are the, who are the All Blacks playing? Is it rugby? Is it rugby? No. Oh, now it's got hard. Pardon? Now it's got hard. It's a no. It's not rugby. Oh, I'm going to go one last crack. I think I've got one last go. It's in the UK. Uh, I haven't asked if it's rugby league. I'll have to stick with the, the, the Blackburn Women's Rugby League. Is it Women's Rugby League? Is that your question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is it Women's Rugby League? It is not Women's Rugby League. <laughs> <laughs> How many is that, Steph? That's seven. Now oh, is got, that the seven? Yeah. Now you've got to have a wild stab. 
Oh, something in the UK. So in ah. the in the in summary, it's not horses. It is a team sport. Uh, the 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 bit the bit in the vault we've got involves something that's being contested at the moment, and it is in the UK. It doesn't involve the Kiwis in the league. It isn't rugby, and it isn't women's rugby league either. Oh, okay, the when the Black Cats won the World Test Championship at, uh, at cricket. Oh, it's not bad. That's not bad. I love the whispering in the back as well. It's a team job. It's a team yeah, job got today, <laughs> Steffi. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going with, eh? So what I'm going to do, John, uh, Jackson, I'm going to punch that into the vault, and we're going to see if you can open it. So let, let me just, oh, my hands are a bit sweaty. Here we go. I'm just going to crack it open. No. Oh, I, Steph, you know what? I felt a little twinge. But oh. no, unfortunately, <laughs> access denied. Access denied. It's not the Black Caps winning the World Test Champ, but not a bad crack. It's not a bad crack. All right, mate. Um, I knew about it. Old, old Town Road this afternoon, boys. Let's go. Yeah, the big wind up finish. I love it. Good on you, Jackson. Okay. See you, buddy. There we go. Um, we made some ground, lost some ground, remade ground. Is just that one question. There's that one question. Is it currently being contested? And I think he was asking that because he was thinking it's either the T20 World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup, the Women's Rugby Cup, or a Northern Hemisphere Tour. That's sort of what's on at the moment. But there's also golf tournaments on. The New Zealand Open squash is on. There's a lot of things on at the moment. Munster just beat South Africa. Munster just beat... What competition is that? It's not, no. So if that happened... As we were on, so no, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a not Northern that, Hemisphere but... tour. It could be, it could be the Wallabies, it could be Fiji, it could be Tonga, it could be anything. So there we are. That'll be a hundred dollars on Monday. I uh, hope you listened in. Hope you've got a little bit of an idea. Uh, the great man Zade has arrived in studio, well, in the building, and his dad. So what's he wearing? What's that? Oh, he's got a UFC top on. He's got a UFC top on. The champion, the life member Zade. He is joining the studio. Very, very shortly. We'll be back uh, in just a moment. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. A few text messages are coming. This one came in a while ago and he says, uh, it's pretty random, but hey, that's what we're about. Not sure if you saw this yesterday, but did you boys know that Killian Murphy, Tommy Shelby, smoked 3,000 cigarettes by the end of season two, which means 12 episodes. Is he still with us? Tommy Shelby, I've started it up again. I've started up. Staffy, not sure if you know this, but a restaurant has opened on the moon. The reviews say the food is out of this world, but the restaurant itself lacks atmosphere. <laughs> but boom. Um, Brett says, haven't been able to go to a game, but the Black Ferns make it known our support for their team is appreciated. Maybe some other teams take note. Fide Literis Labore. That'll be a school crest. I don't know what that one is, but yes. Uh, Staffy, does the winner of the New Zealand Cup not run in the free-for-all? Uh, can if they want. Can if they want. They don't always, though. Quite often you find the winner doesn't. And the ones that don't win it say, I want to, I want to win something. It's a $200,000 race. It's still a $200,000 race. 
We're going to take the race at 3.17. Old mate Harold Smith in the last race that I mentioned just couldn't quicken down the track. Thank goodness we didn't play it. Uh, Rory, I can't read that out. It's funny, but I can't read it out. Um, now, Zaid and um, Papa Zaid, they have arrived in the studio. Uh, we've got two minutes until news. Um, Ravinda Hunia is going to join us on uh, after the news. But Zaid, quick chat. We've got a couple of minutes before the news. How much study... Have you done leading into today? Watched a few videos. Have you? Yeah. You got all the knowledge parked up, ready to guide our people into who's going to win and how? Hopefully, yeah. Now, can you? are you able to say, if you truly think one of the Kiwi fighters isn't going to win, have you got it within you to say, I don't think they'll win, or do you just back them blindly? Probably back them blindly. Yeah, I do, you're just so loyal, eh? Yeah. Yeah. But you, I just asked you, do you think Dan Hooker will win? And you didn't say yes straight away. Well, he hasn't won in a while, so he's on. He's he needs to back. Needs to needs to get back in the win column. Needs to back it, and you think he can, or you think he will? Uh, I think I think he will. Okay, you just don't convince me, Zade. You just don't convince me. But Zade's going to stick around. Um, until about quarter past. In fact, we'll keep him a bit longer, but Ravinda will be coming live out of New York. Apart from the Kiwi fights, Zade, which are the better fights? Because we won't have time to talk about every single fight, but what, what about the non-Kiwis What on the card? Which ones do you like? Probably Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. Bit of, um, bit of beef between the two. Right. Or either Carla Esparza or Wailing Jang's going to be a good women's fight. That's uh, for the title. Wailing Jang's tough, eh? Yeah. So. She wins? Uh, yeah, she wins, yeah. Easy? Yeah. Bang, knockout, carry them out? I reckon, yeah. You're excited, eh? It's too late, right? You, you talked about this, you've been talking about this fight card for ages, eh? Is this like best weekend ever for you? Probably, yeah. Bit of Black Ferns, bit of All Blacks, bit of Kiwis, bit of UFC? Yeah. Bit of KFC? Maybe. <laughs> Zade's going to stick around after the news. Uh, the life member of Afternoons with Staffy Zade's joining me co hosting, and we'll have Ravinda up live out of New York. Welcome back in Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull, Gull.NZ. That's where you go and find out where your local is and sign up for the notifications. It's great to have their company. And I tell you what, it's great to have Zade's company in studio. And it's just getting greater and greater because online, live from New York City, is uh, Ravinda Hunia. Rev, welcome in. Hope you're well. Oh, look, I'm well. We have, I think, New Zealand's superest of the super fans of UFC in studio, co-hosting with me today, Rev, well, for the next few minutes. Uh, so Zaid is on deck here. Um, say good day, Zaid. Hello. Good afternoon. Well, won't be afternoon. Hi, Dave. Hi. Now, <laughs> Rev, we saw you at the press. Um, yesterday, the microphones were everywhere. The the journalists were everywhere. It looked such a buzz. New York looked like they've responded to this uh, two eight one card. They definitely have, and it's actually really exciting to see. Because I mean, the last thing you'd want to do is fly to the other side and it not be that way. Um, but you'd be walking down Broadway. You're in Times Square. There's big, massive, you know, lights and billboards and everything. The whole city is you know, really amped for this card and we're actually quite lucky enough to be staying in the Fighters Hotel. So they're just walking around like us mere mortals. Um, but yeah, it's actually a really great buzz right now. 
So four Kiwis on the card. I'm going to hand over to Zayden. He can, he can just ask the questions he needs to ask about these four Kiwi fights. As I say, he's a, he's a massive UFC <laughs> man. Zayd, you have a chat to Rev. Um, so um, how's everything been going with uh, Carlos Olberg? He's got um, the fight ahead of R- Romanian, is it N- Nikolai? Nikolai? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. He's obviously coming off a big first-round knockout against is in, in, in Chikawi or whatever his name was. So um, he's obviously probably feeling yes. pre- pretty good. What's what's kind of his uh, mood from your interviews that you've um, had with him this week? Yes, well, I was fortunate enough to speak to him yesterday, and he was actually really calm and um, very confident. So he said that, you know, time in that, they're staying in that big mansion out of just out of New York City. And he said, you know, spending time with the group, and there's like 50 of them that have come over from Auckland all staying together. He's feeling supported, um, trained up to the max. And, of course, you mentioned he's coming off that win, so he's very, very confident. Um, yeah, and just strangely calm. I would think so close to fight, you know, to the fight night that um, there would be a little bit of, you know, maybe excitement or a bit of heat. But no, he is absolutely calm. And so that's a good sign ahead of a big fight for him. Um, what do you think about Brad Riddell versus um, Hinato Moyakano? Obviously, uh, um, he's versing a Brazilian. Does he does he have much uh, good grappling with Moyakano being a grappler? Um, obviously, Brad Riddell is coming off a few losses. So how does he feel like he's going to bounce back? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a it's a clash of two very different styles. So obviously Brad will want to keep this fight on the feet. He's a striker by trade and a very good one at that. And, um, you know, that first loss he had against his own friend, um, Rafael Fazir, you know, he got caught um, and knocked out, unfortunately. And then the second one, um, Jalen Turner, he, you know, he got um, hit to the body and then um, got submitted. So, He'll want to keep this fight to the feet and be fighting to his own strengths because it feels like in those last two fights, although he was doing well against Fiziev, you know, he kind of lost control of, you know, what he was doing in his game and, and, and what he can bring to the table. So he'll want to come out early, striking the way he strikes, get comfortable in his own skin and keep that fight definitely standing because uh, although he does have good defense, the CK boys do train that defense, their wheelhouse is most definitely on the feet. And what do we think about Dan Hooker? He's um, opening the main card, so another big fight for him. He's versing a Peruvian and Cla- Claudio Puyo. We know he's known for his grappling, um, for his leg locks, and Dan Hooker's coming off two two-minute uh, losses, one to Arnold Allen, and obviously Arnold Allen's picked up another one against Calvin Cater and a quick submission mm. to Islan Makachev. Went down the fly, uh, went down, sorry, to featherweight. If he loses this fight, do you think it's career-ending? Um, so what do you think happens if he loses this fight? And obviously, if he wins the fight while well, his career is still alive, but he's um, been around mm-hmm. since 2014. So just wondering what you think the mood's been around Dan Hooker as well this week? Yeah, that's a great question because I can probably pretty much guarantee he could be asking those questions of himself so far in his career, like you've mentioned. And I think... I, I don't give him a pass for that lo- loss against Islam Makachev. He didn't have a camp to prepare for Islam. The result might not have changed, but I think there would have been a bit more of a battle there in terms of at least preparing for, you know, the monster that is now the lightweight champion, Islam Makachev. And as for his last fight, yep, it didn't go his way. He went down to featherweight. He, I, from my understanding, was advised not to do that. But, you know, he is looking for that success. He's looking for ways to bounce back in his career. And so now coming back to the lightweight division, I think is a you know a better choice for him. 
He's back at a heavier, healthier weight. And this is the fight, like a lot like Brad Riddell. It's, you know, not, well, Brad probably isn't career defining, but Dan certainly is. He doesn't want to be the gatekeeper of that lightweight division. He wants to prove a point that he does still have it, that he does still, you know, want to be that title contender or at least be, you know, hovering in that top 10. As for the future with Dan Hooker, that's, I feel, totally up to him. You know, he has to maybe, you know, sit in the division um, and, and just try and get that groove back. But a win will most definitely help with, you know, the confidence to at least move forward. And we'll get on to the main event now. Um, we've got Alex Pereira versus Israel Adesanya. Um, Alex Pereira bit him in two kickboxing fights, uh, maybe both controversial. Um, the first one, Israel Adesanya lost in a decision. And then the second one, Israel Adesanya got mm. knocked out, but he had a standing eight count and the ref let um, Alex Pereira recovered. Um, it was in Brazil, so that doesn't sound too good either, you know. <laughs> there might be a bit something going on there, but... Um, mm. It's different MMA. Israel Adesanya hasn't lost a bout in a long time. Um, he won it against Robert Whitaker back in 2019 um, at Marvel Stadium, and he hasn't lost it since then. Um, it's, what do you think? Do you think mm. it will be a 25-minute a kickboxing fight, pretty much? It quite possibly could be. I think it just depends on, you know, if the fight is brought to Israel. Israel's type of fighter, you know, he's been criticized for not having exciting fights of late because he's that type of fighter that if you don't take a fight to him, he's not going to come to you. And, and I think he has every right to, to feel and act that way as the champion. If you want the bout, go and take it. So I think if Alex Pereira brings that fight to him, then we're going to see a really exciting match. I don't see it going five rounds, though. I think in a striking match like that, in the high caliber of these two gentlemen, I don't think it'll go five rounds. I don't think they'd be able to take that kind of, you know, yeah. battle trauma you know, hit for that amount of time. But then if you think back to Calvin Gastelum, that was an absolute war between um, Israel and Gastelum. So it very well could, but I don't think it will. And when we think about, you know, those two losses that Izzy suffered um, with the hand of uh, Alex Pereira, those were, that was a long time ago. You know, that was before, you know, the big time. And I think once you hit the UFC, your, not only your um, skills and things advance and improve, but so too your mental strength. And I think that sometimes people underestimate the power of Israel Adesanya's mental strength. It's very, very strong. It's freakishly strong. And if Alex Pereira can survive that and get the better of skills, then he might be a chance. But I just don't think that Alex Pereira has had the time um, to evolve like Izzy has on a platform like the UFC. So you're thinking maybe Adesanya by knockout or something like that? Possibly. <laughs> Alex Pereira takes the fight to him, then this fight will be finished. Okay. Israel Adesanya, yeah. Rev, we're talking to Rev Hunia uh, live out of New York, Madison Square Gardens, where, where it's going to be. Can you try and paint a picture for us about the regard and the impact Israel has had? Like he, he's, he's, he's big news in New Zealand, but I feel like he's bigger news internationally. Can you tell us what the, what the footprint of him and the other fighters are that you've seen in and around New York? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. He is much bigger um, outside of New Zealand, and I think that's because MMA is much bigger outside of New Zealand. You know, started um, the show UFC on Sky with Sky Sport only this year, but MMA has been around for a very long time. So it's still like, not in its infancy, but still very much in its education time for public. You know, it's not, it's not mainstream like rugby and things like that. So when you step outside of that and you come to a place like America, which is 
you know, pretty much the home of combat sport right now, it's no wonder that, you know, he is a champion in the middleweight division, has been so for three years and is treated as such. Uh, when we were, um, you know, uh, fighters were coming in and out for their interviews, but as soon as Israel stepped into that room, everyone stopped what they were doing and paid attention. It was actually quite, you know, eerie because we haven't been around that at all and we haven't seen, you know, this gravity that he seems to pull um, with other people. But all media stopped what they were doing. Anyone else, the entourage, you know, it was kind of like a demand for attention without asking for it. And that is the pull that he has. And you could see that at the press conference yesterday as well, when he was up on stage, everyone was cheering for him. He's definitely a fan favourite. And, yeah, it's just it's just a different beast. And I, I've never really recognised before, but coming to New York, absolutely he has that pull here. And he looks really comfortable with his... Uh, I was going to say with his celebrity, but with with his standing, like it, he's grown into his celebrity status really comfortably. Um, I'm not saying he welcomes it, but I feel like he handles it really, really well. Hmm. And I think that comes down to his personality too, right? Um, some people are out for it, and some people aren't. And what you know, a lot of people don't really understand is that when you get to perform on a stage like the UFC it's exactly that, it's a stage you know, they're not actors or anything like that but there is more to it than just being a great fighter, you have to be, have that mental strength, you have to be able to talk to people, you have to be able to handle what people are, you know, saying to you writing about you um, you know, people have a lot of courage, you know, on social media and things like that, all these factors come into play and some people are cut out for it and other people just aren't and I think for him over the years not only being in the UFC, but being a champion. Um, he's been able to sharpen those tools as well as the fighting ones. Hey, Rev, I really appreciate your time, and I'm sure... Um, have you got one last question, Zade, or you just want to say thanks? Yeah, one last question then. Yep. Um, if all going to well, well, and if all going to well, if, if there's some good knockouts, could this potentially be the best card of the year for UFC? Say that again, sorry. If all the fights go well on the main card, could this be mm. could this be one of the best cards of the year, do you think? I think absolutely. And if all four of our Kiwi guys do well in particular, that's history in the making, not only for New Zealand mixed martial arts, but world martial arts as well. A little nation in New Zealand coming up and getting those results. It's, it's history in the making, them just being there, let alone two on the main card, and four on the card, um, you know, all together. So I definitely think that this is the card of the year. But again, I'm I'm a bit biased with with our kill. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I think no matter the result, yeah, no matter the result, I think this is the biggest card of the year, most definitely, and we'll go down in history no matter what. Okay, thank thanks for your time from um, New York, and yeah, hopefully you have a good time watching the fights on Saturday in New York and Sunday in New Zealand, and hopefully the boys from CKB can get four wins and um, do the CKB takeover as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely, Dave. Thanks, Rev. That was brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us out in New York. Really appreciate it. No problem. Rev Hunia, wonderful, wonderful roving reporter on the UFC. Very shortly, we're going to take in race seven from Addington. If you remember back, just after the 2.30 news, we played you out a little bit of a, a couple of clips, one from Mark Purden, one from Zach Butcher. Zach Butcher said that Millwood Nike, which is Mark Purden's Drive is the hardest to beat, but he's going to try and sniff a gap late. He's on Advance Party. Millwood Nike's paying $2. Advance Party is at three eighty, and I'm just looking at them parading, getting ready for the mobile to move away. 
Um, Millwood Nike looking very relaxed. Mark Purden, as per usual, the consummate professional, looking relaxed. Haven't seen Zach Butcher's advance party in shot yet. Uh, there it is, looking super as well. Jeez, a fit, a fit standard bred horse is a sight to see. They've got shiny, head up, ears pricked. I think they've just heard the whistle from the mobile. Blair Orange, of course, won the... Uh, won the New Zealand Cup the other day. He's got a drive here. Oh, actually, no, that was Tim Williams, sorry, on the second favourite, Kalua Fly. So order of favouritism is Millwood Nike, and then advance party is joint second favourite with Kalua Fly by. Let's go to the track. Uh, Matt Cross with the big race. Sand Forever Me. The 2022... Size stakes final for the two-year-old fillies with Dunstan horse feeds. Here we go. The girls are about 100 metres off a start. Gate rolls to the back. 1980 IRT Mobile. Dunstan horse feeds. Two-year-old Sires ready. Racing, Carla with flyby left it fast off the inside. Treacherous gal going forward in the centre. Love struck came out running with those. An advanced party driven up to boot through and try and grab the back of Carla with flyby. But Treacherous gal might just squeeze in there. Nope. Able to do so was advanced party. Three wide early as Lovestruck. Two lengths away then to McCaitlin Denario. Three wide as Sweet Diamond. Then sister Cherie Millwood Nike. Stayed out of the early rush and there's two and a half away to Artie by the seaside. Then Carmelite. Two off to Huru. Forever me and a length and a half off at the back is Kalinchi Kid. 23.6 was the lead time. That is incredibly fast. And with 13.50 left to travel, Kalua flyby in the Woodland Silks leads at two and a half advance party. Sweet Diamond doing it tough out three wide. Will soon be in the breeze and Purden on the move with Millwood Nike. Now out three wide in the open. Three back it on the inside. Sister Cherie Lovestruck the centre. Three wide and one back is Artie by the seaside. Treacherous gal the middle. Forever me three wide. McCaitlin Denario goes out there as well. Then came Carmelite Kalinchi Kid and Huru is last of all. A thousand metres to go. 29 9.8 into a headwind was the first quarter. Carla with flyby and a good staying test leads at two lengths. Hardy by the seaside, three wide. Taking cover on its back is Millwood Nike and Advance Party watching on from the trail. Forever Me now three wide. On its back is McCaitlin Denario. Sweet Diamond the middle. Then Sister Cherie, Treacherous Gal with a ride home from Carmelite. Lovestruck, Huru and Kalinchi Kid. 6.50 to go. 29.8. 59.6 was the half inside the 600. It's Carla with Flyby, a half in front forever me. Running to third, Artie by the seaside. Advance party lost the back of the leader. Millwood Nikes in all sorts of traffic in the centre. Three wide is McCaitlin Denario, then treacherous gal from Sweet Diamond. It's Sakilla with flyby. 300 metres to go around the third quarter and 27.6. Leads at a length at the turn from forever me. Now seeing daylight is Millwood Nike. Back to the inside is Artie by the seaside. Millwood Nike levelled up to Carla with flyby. Then came Marty by the seaside, but it's Millwood Nike inside the 100 metres. Oh, she's the perfect racehorse, and she gets the perfect seven and wins the group one. Millwood Nike, just brilliant. One at two and a half on Kalawa flyby. Third across was Artie by the seaside. Sweet Diamond ran fourth from Forever Me. Then came Tretch. Oh, well, there we go. The red hot pot paying uh, two bucks. Fixed odds, 210. Uh, on the tote in my little roughy Artie by the seaside. Uh, snuck home for third. Good race, good competitive race, but dominating. Mark Purden just cozied it up for a final go of about 150 metres. He let it go, and it's gone away and won by about, oh, I'd guess that's three lengths. 
Yeah, about a three-length one for Mark Purden. All right, we'll take a break. Zade stayed around. Great chat on the UFC, 281, but we'll keep Zade here. Who knows what we're going to talk about? He's a fountain of... Has anyone got a question for Zade? Here we go. The listeners can ask Zade a question. Double eight, double three. If anyone's got a question for Zade, and I'll put them to him. We'll be back after a break. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, we have got some questions for Zade, who's sticking around, our life member. Uh, one question has just come in, not for Zade, I think it's for me. It says, what's the first quarter, half and three quarter mean? Oh, I think what you're talking about is first quarter, first half, quarter mile times in the harness. So they give the times for the first quarter and the last half. Or you might be talking about they win by quarter, half a length, three quarters of a length. So a length is the length of a horse. So if they win... A half a length, it's half a length of a horse, which is probably one and a half metres. I don't know, a metre. Um, anyway, questions for Zaid. This one from uh, from James. Zaid, you champ, is how he starts it. If you had to pick, uh, if you had to pick to one, to oh, if you had to pick one sport that you would never be allowed to watch again, would you pick UFC or rugby to never pick again, never watch again? Oh, that's too hard. <laughs> it's not very fair, is it? Yeah, nah, I can't answer that, sorry. Oh, see, see? That's fair. <laughs> that's a tricky one, James. Um, does they just like watching UFC or is he a member of a gym and do it socially? Uh, no, I just like watching it, but I used to do a bit of jiu-jitsu, but kind of stopped that now. You're back at the gym though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. you like throwing tin around. Yeah, I love that. With my um, personal trainer, shout out, um, I'm not sure if he'll be listening, but uh, Steve... He's my uh, personal trainer. Met him at uh, high school. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, just do uh, personal training sessions with him down at uh, Westside Fitness in Henderson. Shout out Westside. (laughs) (laughs) Another one here. This one comes from Dave. Clear the throat. Does Zade really believe? Here's a now. Here's an honesty question. Does Zade really believe the Auckland players are that good, or is it just Auckland loyalty? No, they are good. That good, as you say, though? Yeah, they're pretty good. Because you're one of the ones that says Dalton Papali should be all black captain, eh? Or is that Ken? That's probably more Ken. But he, he should he should be one day. But I reckon um I reckon right now the best captain is Sam Whitelock. He's the best option now? Yeah, yeah, right now. So if Sam Whitelock retires at the end of the next World Cup, who's the next all black captain? If Dalton Papali's around, I reckon he's not a bad option. For starting number seven, if you want him to play a lot, I reckon he's... Or Adi oh, Savia is a good option as well. Mm. I reckon Adi Savia, he's, he's been the best player for the All Blacks all year. He plays... He never stops no, never stops going 80 minutes all day. He has been the best All Black all year. If they have to have got a... If they have to have got an award for the best All Black of the year, I think it has to go to Adi Savia. Remember they made him captain of the Hurricanes, though, and then he didn't really want it. I think he just wants to play and not have the... Yeah. Extra. It's not. It's not pressure. But he's just like, just let me carve it up. And yeah. and if that's his recipe to be what we're seeing now, I'm I'm all for it. Here's another one. Um, can Zade ever see UFC being an Olympic sport with it being so big and popular? Nah, too many rules for the Olympics to make it. I, I it shouldn't be Olympic sport because you need to make all these rules to the IOC and then um, they'll probably change the sport up and not make it good. It's it's good right now. Okay, and the last one, someone's asked, favourite UFC fighter of all time? Ah, Israel Adesanya. 
So when he retires, who would be your favourite to tune in and watch? When he retires? Yeah. Is well, there an up-and-comer that you think could could be really big? Like, who's that British kid with the funny haircut? Yeah, Paddy, it's Paddy Pimblett right now, or Sean O'Malley. Yeah, Paddy Pimblett's the yeah, one I'm thinking of. Paddy Pimblett. He's young, eh? Yeah, he's still pretty young. Mm. Molly McCann, she's got a fight this weekend as well. His um, crime and partner, he'll be watching her, versus uh, Blanche Blanchfield. So, yeah, Molly McCann, I think she's on the prelim, so she's always good. Watch out, got a few knockouts by elbows. So Is that Paddy Pimblett's girlfriend? Nah, not girlfriend, best friend, pretty much. Okay. She's um she's date date nah she dates a same sex woman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And last one from the same person actually. They've said favorite UFC fighter of all time, favorite rugby player of all time. Uh, favorite Kevin Mialamu. Really? Yeah, Kevin Mialamu. Oh, Captain K's clapping behind you, Zane. <laughs> Loves a bit of Kevy. Yeah, he's a good man, Kevin Mialamu. Oh, he's one more's just come back in, Zaid. Is Dalton Papali next All Black captain? Cheers, Ken. <laughs> okay, yes, Ken. Yes, Ken. Yes, Ken. Yes, Sir Ken. <laughs> yes, Lord Ken. Okay. Hey, Zane, good to have you in studio, buddy. Uh, really enjoyed the chat, and thanks for having me out with the UFC interview with uh, Rev. Up to Black Ferns and up Brad Riddell, Carlos Oberg, Dan Hooker, and Israel Adesanya and the Kiwis. Have a good weekend. Peace. Sorry for the bit more music than normal after news. Just uh, farewell Zayden and his dad. What a champion he is, eh? The knowledge of the young man is quite remarkable. And thank you so much for the questions. He absolutely fizzed that people were um, sending him in questions. He's become quite an identity in this place, and uh, I embrace that. He's a wonderful young man, 18 years old. Um, now the question's just come in. Staffy, last one for the week. What's the fastest type of horse, gallops, pacing, or trotting? Great question. Gallops first, pacing second, trotting third. And the thing I've always marvelled about uh, pacing and trotting and pacing is faster, it's not a natural gait. It's not a natural way of running for a standard bred. So if you see a pacer, they have hopples on their legs because the right-hand leg on both sides of the horse go forward. Am I explaining that well? The right-hand front leg, the right-hand back leg... They both go forward at the same time, and they shuffle like this, like a like a this. I, I, I need pictures, and then so yeah, the right hand side both go forward, then the left hand side both go forward. Trotting, it's the diagonal legs, like a, like a dog runs. So that's the trot, and trotting is the natural gait, and they're trained to pace, and uh, but pacing is faster. They're wonderful animals to watch. I do love watching the harness. They're wonderful, wonderful animals. Um, I'm just wondering, can we just chuck up this chat that's on Trackside at the moment? Mark Purden's being interviewed by uh, one of the Trackside team. Let's just listen to Mark Purden's thoughts. In the next race, I guess it's safe to forget what happened on Tuesday. Got into all of the melee there. How do you assess the chances today? I think he's got a very good chance. I think um, 
he's not that quick out of the gate, but uh, the way the wind is today, it's, it's pretty hard work running into it. So uh, he'll probably sort of settle in the first six or eight, and uh, I think he's got a good chance. And where is Oscar Bonavina? Uh, last time we talked, uh, he'd only just come back to you from Regan's place. Uh, what did you make of what happened on Tuesday? Well, I was, I was really... I was really pleased with the run. Um, I didn't know really what to expect because he came back from Regan's and he worked good right from day one and uh, and I couldn't really put my finger on why he just wasn't performing on the track but, and I still can't. But uh, he did come out like his old self and, and perform much better on Tuesday. So what are you expecting in terms of what, what might happen out there today with him over the two miles? Yeah, well... Uh, uh, Johnny Dunn's horse, Sunday Sun, and, and, uh, and Greg Hope's horse, you know, they're going to take a lot of beating. Probably the one draw mightn't suit uh, Muscle Melton, but uh, if Ben can get him away, well, you know, you've got to respect him. And uh, as I say, Sunday Sun, though, so they'll be the two. But uh, apart from those two, I think, you know, he's up with the rest of them. Yeah, what is he like 12 months on? Because this time last year, he picked up both the wins on Cup and Show Day. Yes, he did, yeah, and maybe he comes right at this time of the year, I don't know, but uh, certainly he's come through Tuesday well, and I was, I was really pleased, and the way he's walking around the bar, he seems pretty full of himself. Franco Indy obviously had to do it tough on Tuesday, and a really good draw again. Yes, yeah, it'll just be a question of whether he can back up or not, um, but he, seem, he seems to have come through it well, um, so it'll, it'll be interesting, but uh, he, he did go well Tuesday. Franco Indy, thoughts on there on Franco Indy, which is in the XCM Sport mobile page. I just want to play a little clip. Have I got time to play a little clip from Mitchell McLennigan? Uh, when he was talking about the captain and the coach going forward for the Black Caps, this was out of his chat yesterday morning with Izzy and Kempe. I just found it really interesting. I guess it's going to depend what people like Southie want to do, I guess. So he's, he's the only one who's yeah. in that. You look at that team last night, he's the only one there who can captain that T20 team. So if, if he wants to continue playing T20 cricket, then I think I don't think Kane will captain T20s again. Gary Stead, guess the way to put it is, the way he's gutted out different types of individuals um, and guys who can win games and, and try to get them all to fit into one peg hole. Um, that's what I see from the outside. Uh, I feel like you've got to you've got to find a way of managing winners, um, and sometimes they can be a little bit different in a team environment. You've got to understand how many you can handle and in that kind of environment to, to win your finals. So, uh, I just feel like we, the last finals I've seen, it feels like we've, we've gone out into the final and we'll see me final and just hope that we were going to win rather than demand that we were going to win the game. Yeah, and that was my takeout from that match. And then watching how all other three teams really address I know India got spanked last night, but that dominant performance by England, the England openers, you know, a couple of 80 not outs and just banking and going bang it was that's how you play t20 cricket geez it was good to watch um what's left uh we're going across the ditch very shortly to talk to king o uh, but also a reminder from four till seven the run home uh will be broadcasting out of the kingslander in kingsland which is just around the corner from uh, Eden Park. They're doing a Black Ferns special. A big, big thanks to Spark Sport for sussing all of that out and um, great supporters. And that's where you can watch the Black Ferns. You can watch everything on uh, on Spark Sport this weekend. It's a fantastic time to be there. So go and say g'day to Beave and Kim. Thank you to Spark Sport for organising a beautiful broadcast out of the Kingston Day. We'll be back on the other side heading across the ditch. L.NZ. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
Let's go to Australia. Australia. Come in, Australia. Not there. Not talking to me. Oh, Kingo. He's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. Someone hasn't put a fader up. They're going to give me swish about the cricket. No, listen. Oh, there he is. You progress further than the Australians. I'm not going to give you grief about the cricket. Good afternoon, Shabby. How are you, my friend? I was going to say, have they scheduled a match for fifth and sixth? <laughs> you know, we've talked about this before, but it's like the 2003 Rugby World Cup when Carlos Spencer, he's, oh, do we have to play for, for third? Like, I could not give a rat. You know, yeah. <laughs> couldn't give a rat. Uh, we were talking today about, because they've scheduled a young Australian actor to, they've slated him to play Shane Warne in a miniseries. Oh. Uh, would you like? Could you think of any actors that would be well cast to play like a famous All Black, for example, like Richie McCaw? Like, who do you think could potentially? Which actor could play Richie McCaw? Well, you're like, going to have to have someone quiet, unassuming, um, but just got incredible mana about. Just someone that looks at you and just you just quiver. So, gosh, that's a hard one because. Actors are quite sort of effusive people. Um, oh, who's that? That that that, that guy. Um, I've got him in my head now. Uh, he was in the stri- he, he was a male stripper, uh, and I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, do you often a- have male strippers in your head, Steph? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Ch- not as a stri- ah. not as a stripper, but Channing Tatum. Oh, Magic Mike. Yes. Magic Mike. Yeah, because Magic Magic McCall. Magic McCall. Because boy, he I was like magic. That. Mm. I like that. That's much better than my thought of like a streamlined Jack Black. No, that's. <laughs> That's much better casting. <laughs> that is much better casting. Uh, anyway, uh, stack to talk about, mate. Of course, we've got the, the league tomorrow morning. But just a, a quick word on, on New Zealand's exit. I, I wonder now if it's time for a bit of a reset. You know, has Kane played his last game? You know, Bolt, Southie, these sorts of guys. Uh, is, is it time for Generation Next? Look, ask me. I say yes. Um, I don't think Trent, well, Trent's not contracted to New Zealand cricket anymore because yeah. he wants a little bit. He's a real family man. He's got young kids and he just found being contracted to New Zealand cricket. Plus, he's an IPL guy. He's just away too much. So he stepped aside. Jimmy Neesham's not contracted. Kane Williamson has sort of intimated that he's looking at his cricket future at the moment. The feeling is he'll become a T20 gun for hire and play test cricket for New Zealand, but maybe not T20 and maybe not one day is for New Zealand. Um, But I think, and not just Kane Williamson, I feel like the game of T20's passed a few cricketers by, like... We we had, uh, I can't remember who it was on, it uh, wasn't on my show, but it was on the station earlier this week, saying they truly felt that the game of T20 cricket is designed for the early to mid and occasionally late 20s and the odd freak, like Glenn Maxwell can play T20 till yeah. he's 40 probably, but it's an explosive game. But I just don't feel like the leadership, captain, coach for the Black Caps is the right mindset for T20. Look what Pakistan and Matty Hayden and their captain did against New Zealand, like all of a sudden they were the best fielding team in the world. All of a sudden they were bowling 5Ks an hour faster because this want, this desire, this mongrel was in the Pakistan team and New Zealand just went out and played cricket because that's what we do. We just play cricket. Um, T20 isn't cricket anymore. Yeah, it's look, you know, looking back at that game, the Conway run out was really crucial. Williamson, and this is the thing about the anchor players, I mean, if you're getting a run of ball 40, that's when you need to kick on. The, the way we saw Coley do that against Pakistan in, in the opening game. And Kane sort of got out at a, a really bad time. You know, no us to Phillips, I thought it was a good match. And, you know, once Glenn Phillips was out, there was probably too much reliance on Kane. And, and New Zealand very good at the top of the order. They don't have, 
what I would deem tremendous batting depth. You know, if Sodi's coming in at eight, he's, he's not a bad bat, but is he a genuine T20 number eight? I don't know. The bowling links, I thought, were a little bit same-same. Having said that, I mean, you came up against a, a red-hot Pakistan side whose open has finally fired in Rizwan and Bavar and then you know, this world-class bowling attack as well and dominated the late phase with pace on and pace off. Mm, I, I just felt like it was a wasted opportunity for us. Like, we absolutely bossed Australia in game one. I'm not saying that to dig at you, but yep. after bossing them like that, find some swagger, find some attitude and find find the necks that you need to put the foot on. But we just... I think our niceness really affected us. Like, it's cool to be thought of as the nicest cricket team, but... T20, you've got to have, I'm not saying play dirty or play angry or anything like that, but when when the game was in the balance, where was the team huddle with someone getting up them like Brendan McCullum would have? And we, yeah. don't, we don't have that character in there. I think possibly the only one is Lockie Ferguson, but because he's sort of the lone ranger and trying to get up people and he's in and out of the team, he probably didn't feel it was within his remit to do that. And so I think we need some aggression. Um, There's calls for Stephen Fleming to take on the coaching. Uh, Colin Munro is a wonderful T20 cricketer in the Big Bash. You see him a lot. He wins leagues all over the world and he's just not wanted. He's, He's the best. Maybe he's hard to coach, but he wins your games. Australia 10, New Zealand 8 in the Women's Rugby League World Cup. It's the first really tight game we've seen. Two tries apiece in the end. It was just the one conversion from Ali Brigginshaw. That's a difference. Maybe, I don't know, is this an omen for the men's tomorrow morning? Oh, if we can stay within two of the kangaroos, you'd almost take that. <laughs> but it's not pool play, it's elimination. So we haven't seen anything near uh, the best of the Kiwis at this Rugby League World Cup and I'm not suggesting that we're going to I really really hope so the best Kiwis on the park and the best kangaroos on the park at their best form is a wonderful game of Rugby League but we just haven't seen it from the Kiwis at the moment um, I don't mind the the Kiwi women's team going down because you can't beat Australia twice at a World Cup so you can probably beat them once so let's do it in the final Jared Ware Hargraves, a big out too. He was the mm. enforcer. You know, they're, they're going to run a lot of traffic towards Nathan Cleary, but, you know, how do you replace him? I don't think you, you can't replace that size, that bulk, that attitude, that experience. Um, but, you know, when, when a big captain of a ship um, goes overboard, the first mate has to step up. So big responsibility, a big reaction needed from the whole forward pack without Jared being there. Um, they've known for a while, so it hasn't sprung as a surprise. It was a hammy, and uh, I'm pleased they flagged it early um, because these guys have to stand up. Um, we, got, we can win it. The Kiwis can win it, but we're not, we're not crazy. We're not saying we deserve to or we definitely will, but, boy, they have to, they have to improve on what they've done so far. You know what's going to be fascinating too, Staff, is that other semi-final, England and Samoa, because England put them to the cleaners in the first game. Sean Wayne, the coach, has said, no, we're going in, this is underdogs. You know, this is classic reverse <laughs> psychology, isn't it, on the eve of the semi-finals. But they have a point to prove, Samoa. Oh, boy, do they. Yeah, I mean, turn around a 60-point hiding. Jeez, um, it's not very often done. I mean, France nearly did it in the Rugby World Cup in 2011. I think we put 40 on them in pool play. And then a uh, 1.1 in the final. Uh, England should win this. They've looked really complete. But pre-tournament on paper, the Samoan team was just fantastic. I mean, they've got, yeah. they got wonderful players right through the whole the whole field. Um, Jerome Luai is fantastic. But then you look at Tapao and Papali'i. They've got the grunt. But really, England should win. But, boy, I live in an area that's got a big, big Samoan community. <laughs> the flags have been out all week. I bet. It I will bet. go nuts.
Oh, I bet. Anyway, good luck tomorrow. Not too much good luck. Thank you, Staffy. We'll chat next week. Thanks, King. Julian King from Australia. We'll be back after a break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. couple of minutes away from news, the run home will be coming to you live thanks to Spark Sport out of the Kingston at it. Go and say good day to Beef and Kim. On this day, November 11, the first series win to the Kiwis after 39 years of participation in top class cricket. New Zealand got their first ever series victory. A drawn third test against Pakistan in Dhaka. The great Mark Burgess and Bob Kunis added a then record 94 for the ninth wicket. And we pick up the series 1-0. 1995, Shane Warne took 7 for 23. Uh, as Pakistan were all out for 97, his match figures were 11 for 77. Rest in peace, champion. In 2007, Brett Favre uh, joined Dan Marino as the only quarterback in NFL history to throw more than 60,000 career yards. Unbelievable scenes. Birthdays today, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's an actor. He turns 48 today. Lou Vincent turns 44 today. Uh, Vinny Aguadaginino. I don't know who he is. Oh, he's from Jersey Shore. He turns 34 today. And big Norm Hewitt. Uh, Norm Hewitt turns 54 today. My Auntie Roz's birthday today. Happy birthday, Auntie Roz, over there in Mandurah. And on this day in 2006, the number one movie was one of the greats, Borat. And the number one song was... If I wrote you a symphony Just to say how much you mean to me Good fun this week, team. Great to have your company all week. Big old weekend with the All Blacks. But the big one for me is the Black Friends. Get that World Cup, ladies. Thanks, Captain K. Sammy H with a camera where he doesn't want it. Run home next. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.